Hey everyone, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 582 being recorded Thursday, April 16th, 2020. I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I guess I'm Josh Walrath. I'm, I know I'm Sebastian Peek. I'm still Brett Van Spruenberg. Sorry. What are you? Well, as Sorry. we try to figure out those important questions, uh, we welcome you to the show. We're glad you could join us. We record these live uh, Wednesday or Thursday, generally once a week. Uh, and you can join us as we record live over at PCPro.com slash live or at our uh, YouTube or Twitch pages. We're streaming to both these days. And of course, if you uh, you can't make it live, uh, you can always see the on-demand version. We have the video version at YouTube and the audio version uh, hosted on our website, as well as heading out to all of those uh, podcast apps out there uh, so you can pick us up there. If you want to know when we go live, uh, head over to pcper.com slash subscribe, and you can join our mailing list. We use it just to notify you an hour or so before we go live or if there's going to be a delay or a change. And uh, if you want to support us, head to patreon.com slash pcper. And uh, if you become a new patron or increase your pledge during the show, uh, I will read whatever message you'd like to uh, to put there. Some people change the name field before making the comment or the, the pledge. Uh, others, you can send a, a message uh, to the creator after you've signed up. Whatever works for you, I'll get that and read whatever message you'd like. If you want to promote something, you want to insult us, whatever. It's 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 all good. Uh, but uh, uh, let's jump into the news uh, this week. We should have a shorter show, I hope. And, uh, and now you cursed us. Yeah, when I say that, it always goes bad. But uh, let's let's get into the news. So uh, last week, I think it was, we talked about the new Ryzen 4000 platform, the mobile platform from AMD. And this week, uh, we had a whole bunch of uh, companies announce laptops, announce new products. Uh, Lenovo was one that uh, briefed us on their lineup, although we saw there was HP and Acer and Asus and Dell. And isn't isn't Legion a little ominous? A little, you ominous. know, for the moment, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will, or we are legion. Yeah. You know, it's effective. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's, you know, there's there's Jesus going and driving out legion. Okay, the pigs. Sure. Yep. I guess I don't know, but uh, it's uh, it, it's legion is Lenovo's gaming brand, uh, at least one of its meanings of that word. And uh, they had already teased that they were going to be coming out with AMD-based uh, systems, well, new systems in general, including AMD and Intel's new 10th gen uh, mobile stuff, their H series. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting because AMD's mobile platform last year was not well adopted. There were not that many laptops you could find with a Ryzen 3000 mobile chip. Uh, Lenovo was one company that did embrace it, but it didn't embrace it really in the gaming side of things. It was more on the business productivity side, like ThinkPads. So this is Lenovo coming out strong this year with a couple of options for uh, AMD-based products. Uh, they start with their Legion Seven. This is their high-end seven, uh, or sorry, high-end fifteen-inch, fifteen-point-six-inch gaming laptop, starting at about sixteen hundred bucks. Now this one for now is only going to be available uh, with Intel, and this is sort of, and you're going to see that a lot. Even for companies that are adopting AMD, they're still going to have a lot of products, especially their flagship products, be Intel, and that's. You know, who knows? That's a result of marketing and of, of deals and, and, and things like that. So it's that's a bummer, but it is what it is for now. Uh, but this new Legion 7, it's it's going to be available at up to the Core i9 10th Gen uh, processors and RTX 2080 Super Max-Q, those uh, new super variant mobile GPUs from NVIDIA. 
the Legion 5 is where AMD comes in. There's there's a Legion 5 and a Legion 5i. The i branding is the Intel variant, but the plain old 5 is the AMD. And that's available with the new Ryzen 4000 processors up to the R7-4800H. Not that new higher-end, slightly higher-end, 4900. We saw that with the Asus uh, Zephyrus G14 that launched last week or two weeks ago. So not your highest-end chip here, but available with up to 1650 Ti NVIDIA graphics. And then you've got the 5i here uh, with the Intel variant. And the uh, 5i, there's a 17-inch, again, only Intel on that 5i 17-inch. They're also going to sort of the entry level, again, Intel only, unfortunately, with this one. And that's the IdeaPad Gaming 3, available up to an i7. And they're revamping their tower. They've got a nice little tower. This is not their first tower PC, but this is a nice micro ATX little little chassis. And uh, it's available right at launch with 10th Gen Comet Lake processors. Uh, but will be coming soon later this year, AMD options as well. And again, the 5i versus just 5 variant there for the AMD versus Intel. They also had a Why couple of displays. Booty? Why does it have booty? So that's a handle. So in the back is an integrated oh, handle. Thank you. Yeah, and it's uh, so it's a compact, like the, the, media, the image might be misleading. It's a pretty compact little 28-liter uh, case. So it's got that handle on the back there. Uh, they had some announcements for monitors and peripherals as well. Uh, but you can check out the full the full list uh, over on the site. But uh, it's uh, you know it's it's an interesting lineup, and it's good to see AMD hitting more gaming laptops. What do you think about uh, Ryzen four thousand's adoption so far, Josh? You know it's pretty robust. I mean it's not fantastic, and boy am I really blown out today for some reason. I gotta adjust my lighting in here because um, I don't have the COVIDs, and I feel fine. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, some stalwart Intel laptop people have been coming out with uh, models. And that's great for uh, AMD. Everything uh, points to it being a very competitive part. I'm just kind of curious what trays of 1000 are are going for for these products. But um, usually these introductory laptop uh, products, mobile, uh, you know, their, their margins are better. Then the desktop, when they eventually reach here, what, later this fall, and you'll see them sub $200 per, per chip. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see some more announcements. I'd like to actually see some things shipping. Um, I think Best Buy has got the Asus one in stock now. But I don't think quantities are, are great so far. Uh, they got to fill that channel. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to see more announcements from, you know, the, the HPs and the Dells and, you know, having having Lenovo on board with some models is is a pretty good start. Uh, yeah, I was just checking that uh, Zephyrus stock at Best Buy. I've I've been looking, and and it it looks like they did switch over from coming soon to available. But at least at all the Best Buys around me and online, it's sold out. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how many they shipped right away. And also, just how balancing availability between just normal product supply issues as well as the pandemic situation so uh so we'll see but availability with intel not much better uh not sure what happened to sebastian but hopefully he'll be back soon he's been replaced by blinking lights he had to run away run away it's it's a it it could be worse that's a nice backdrop it's soothing it's soothing Mm -hmm. anyway you know Mm -hmm. yeah uh no big deal i was just gonna say yeah that's i'm sure that the availability is due to supply issues on um you know standard 
everybody's getting back to work, getting ramped up again, and the supply chain's all drawn down. I, I was reading that maybe we're going to see that later on about, you know, what's happening with this, the supply chain issues. So we'll talk about that more in a minute. All right. And uh, as Josh had said, seeing companies that had traditionally been Intel heavy or Intel exclusive adopting AMD is is really good. Uh, they're sort of related to, to this, and, and we'll talk about the, the Nook uh, towards the end of the show here. Uh, but uh, there there was a tweet, I think it was, from Ian Cutris over at Anantech, where he he tweeted publicly that companies have deal like Intel. I, I can't remember the exact tweet, and I probably should look it up because I don't want to paraphrase this. But it was something oh, like do. Intel pays companies to delay or or not adopt AMD based Nooks because we've been or not Nooks but Nook like small form factor kind of devices. And and we've been looking at that. And there have been a few. Sebastian's been playing with a couple different uh, AMD based platforms there. Uh, but that's that's an interesting uh, situation to have. I, I don't find it surprising. I can't independently verify it, of course. But we know that Intel and like every major company in a dominant market position will do whatever they can do to keep their competition down, and uh, and and that would explain maybe the dearth of of AMD based products in that form factor. But because we've seen such incredible efficiency from Ryzen four thousand on the mobile side and expect that to continue with the desktop update next uh, or later this year. I mean, that would be perfect for a small form factor device. If you can be that thermally efficient in a small package, pack that many cores into that thermal envelope, as they say. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to offer, you know, more than, sorry, Jeremy, uh, more than a 65 watt part for the, you know, 4,000 series on desktop. It'd be interesting if, if they were able to, to crank that up to 90 watt TDPs. I doubt it, but you know, we can dream. That'd be neat, but interesting. See a business purpose for it. Really? I mean, I'd love it, but you know, it'd be a hard sell. 95 95 watts. watts. Yeah. I don't think it'd be terrible, hard sell, but, uh, yeah, it would, uh, um, you know, you'd have a little bit, Better clocks, a little bit better boost. Your graphics would uh, see a pretty significant uh, improvement. And, you know, Crisis Remastered's coming out, so you got to check it out with your uh, Ryzen 4000 on desktop. Yeah, there's a whole new meme that's going to happen, so I can't wait. Can my APU play Crisis? Can't wait. Well, Sebastian's Sebastian's back. back. And, yeah, hopefully everything's okay. We thought you'd been replaced by an LED strip. Yeah, there's enough going on back here. I'm not really necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, any Just thoughts, Sebastian, on the new Ryzen 4000 laptops? No, I mean, the, the Zephyrus is all anybody has really, I think, seen. Have we gone hands-on? I don't think anybody's gone hands-on with anything else. Yeah, so I, just that I, one 14-inch form factor with a 35-watt CPU, right? Yeah. I, I believe there are some laptops in reviewers hands at this point under embargo from some other okay. companies uh but nobody can say anything just yet so uh but i mean i wouldn't expect i mean asus makes fine laptops but they're not magic or anything i would expect the same level of performance and efficiency in other manufacturers products that we saw in that zephyrus so yeah or or even more depending on form factor and because that was a slimmer laptop mm-hmm. i the one thing that's kind of interesting telling perhaps is 
to look at all of the new laptops that have been announced in the last month or so, which, uh, what, 95% of which still have Intel CPUs. So it's, it's going to take a lot for AMD to carve out a significant amount of market share here when it looked like they were poised to maybe some of those longstanding agreements or maybe their purchase orders going back a number of years. Who knows what the deal is, but there's just not a huge influx. Like the Lenovo announcement you went through, Legion, they were not exactly... I don't think they announced a single Ryzen 9 part in a laptop, did they? They mentioned uh, some 7 and 5 stuff. Yeah, they specifically yes. said that of what they've announced so far, it stops at the 7. They're not doing 9. Ryzen 9. Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, the competition is... It's an older product. Even 10th gen is still Skylake-based, 14 nanometer. And from what we've seen from other reviewers, because, again, we don't have a, uh, a Zephyrus in-house, but it seems to be outperforming overall even the 10th gen Intel mobile stuff. So, uh, There's a comment in the YouTube from uh, Jacques Allures. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, just three days today. Uh, but uh, he said that the... 4900HS is a six-month Asus exclusive. I, I believe that's right, but I be, and I believe that's only the HS part, not the H. So that's the yes. HS is that 35-watt variant, but the anyone, to my knowledge, can implement the 4900H straight up. So, uh, well, let's, uh, let's continue on with the news. Uh, we've got another announcement. Uh, we've been waiting for, I mean, there's there's been ray tracing games for over a year, there's not a lot to choose from. There's been some exciting developments, some stuff that wasn't so exciting. Uh, probably this right here, and we knew this was coming, but this is the official launch. is is probably the biggest ray tracing announcement uh, to date, and otherwise known as Jim has to put a damn RTX card in his son's PC now. It's the mm -hmm. Minecraft RTX mm -hmm. beta. Now there's some strings attached here uh, because it's you know Minecraft is it's got its original Java version and then it's got the Windows 10 version, which is uh, more of a lockdown sort of app style platform, and the ray, ray tracing thus far the RTX ray tracing is available only in this Windows 10 version, so you're not going to be able to use it in the Java version, and you've got to join the beta through the uh, Windows Insider Hub. And uh, I, I did it just here this afternoon and played it around. And I don't play Minecraft, so I didn't know what I was doing. But they give you five free RTX-enabled worlds that were designed uh, by creators in, in collaboration with NVIDIA to showcase ray tracing. You're seeing some of them here in the video that they've got. And so you can get in, download those pre-made worlds, and start messing around. And you, you just have to have an RTX-enabled card. Performance does take a hit, uh, but it's playable. I've got a 2080 Ti. And I was running at 4K with max ray tracing and distance settings. And it was uh, 35 to 45 frames per second in most maps. So it's not perfect, with but it's DLSS 2.0? Uh, no, so that's the good point. I've not had a chance to test uh, DLS to, DLSS 2.0. But yeah, that'll certainly have an effect. But it's, it's, it's playable, and uh, it looks pretty damn good. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really... A good showcase, and it it just changes the game completely. And now there's other the community, the ray tracing, or sorry, the Minecraft community has ray tracing already through a custom shader, but mm -hmm. it's CPU bound. And some and people already to build yourself out of stuff you found in Minecraft. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. 
And uh, it's it's uh, so so this isn't the first time we've seen something like this, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of limitations there are because not everything Minecraft is so the community or the whole ecosystem is so robust. There's so many add-ons and customization options and not everything's going to come forward. And if you join this beta, you can't take your levels or worlds back with you. So it'll be interesting to see how this adopts and develops, but uh, it, it's a really good demo of ray tracing and uh, the parents out there, you're probably going to have to shell out now. Now's the time. Finally. Now I know why I had to put a hole. A, a hole in our firewall to run a, a mine server, uh, uh, Minecraft server upstairs. Oh, was that <laughs> no, I know. Was a, a, a recent yeah. request? <laughs> yeah, it was. And I'm like, hey, dad, can I have a, a hole in a port forward in the firewall? And I'm like, uh, sure. What you, uh, new Minecraft come out? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. There you go. Now I do. Yes. I'm a little mad because I bought Minecraft in like 2011 and I hadn't paid like attention to it for a while. And I logged in because, you know, I'm, obviously curious and and until april 20th of this year if you bought minecraft before 2018 you're given a free copy of of minecraft for windows 10 and they're all out of keys oh, oh. wow it, sorry error seems that we no longer have any keys but don't worry they'll be back check later yeah well, what do you think the chances are that I'll get a key. Like and subscribe. Oh, it's like small business loans from the government. Key. Sorry, exactly. Those two. I wasn't going to mention that. Yeah, I went yeah. there. The keys were deep, not essential. Serious, Josh, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's some serious hoops you got to jump through to to get our RTX uh, running on Minecraft. But yeah, I can't wait to see it. I mean, it's it looks great. So yeah, fun. It, Maybe get me interested in digging in the ground for hours on end. <laughs> It, for, for me, the most impressive was the lighting through the water. So if you're in one, one of the levels they give you is a, a sort of an underwater uh, castle. And so you're swimming and the light this from the sun's coming through and it's hitting the water and it's diffusing very realistically and it's bouncing off the fish. And there's like okay. uh, plants in the water and it's transparent or translucent. It, that, was, that was like, whoa, at that moment, that's when I said... That's pretty damn good. But so so I, the two best examples we have of ray tracing are an ancient Quake game and now Minecraft. You're correct. Yeah. And, and everything else is, it's there, but barely noticeable unless you're looking directly at it. Yeah. Okay. Now, in you know, perhaps in NVIDIA's defense, all of those other games were in development well before the announcement of, you know, real-time fair. ray tracing. So we'll see, I'm Ish. sure, as the, as the consoles that are going to adopt it are coming out, we'll see more games built around it that might take better advantage. But yeah, it's not a, I mean, it's not a must-buy, but it if you have it, it looks really good. The important thing yeah, is it's a good still. demo, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if they can point to Minecraft, which has obviously about as much brand equity as any PC game in the world, and True. look at before and after and it's staggering the difference and then they have new titles coming out like cyberpunk if cyberpunk ends up looking significantly better with rtx enabled versus disabled they'll have that and minecraft to advertise so it'll become a lot easier to spot like you guys have been saying it's been okay look again at the explosion but this time look at the fender of the car now do you see that puddle on the ground look at the difference and you have to actually look oh yeah the puddle looks a lot better 
with RTX enabled, but if it's a, an entire environment change, like with the, the change to quake, uh, which is, I, as great as that was, the game doesn't have enough current, uh, appeal, I guess, at least with a younger demographic to matter as much as Minecraft does, if that makes any sense. Just in no, the interest of already right. selling RTX, but it does because you know there's only so many blue keys that you can go run around and try to find in, in Quake Two and hit the red lever and blow up these really poorly AI'd monsters that only do hey. three things. Wow! Somebody's... Come on, back in 1997, hey. it was top notch. 98. Okay. Well, you sound it's gotten bigger. You sound like an Unreal snob, Josh. Did you play well, Unreal? It wasn't much better. Yes, I oh, did. Okay. Well, yeah, Unreal was, was amazing looking as compared. But uh, yeah, with the 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 you know they didn't have real time reflections, but it was one of the first things to have reflections. Yeah, yeah. But, colored yeah, lighting too had colored lighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. John Carmack is uh, a monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the best thing is uh, it actually used that that twin texture units of the uh, Voodoo yeah. too. Yeah. Amazing. Didn't huh? they partner with id? Like the Voodoo partnered with id for the what was it, GL yes. Quake? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it, it would have been great tradition. if Quake had sold RTX the way that GL Quake sold Voodoo cards back in the day, but So let me Good ask a quick you. question. Sorry. Go ahead. What's going on with uh Sebastian's audio? It sounds like he's he's going in circles around my head. Yeah, I, I I noticed that too. We had that issue a few weeks ago. I, I just mapped oh, his audio right. to a single channel. It, yeah, it sometimes defaults to stereo because there's like three pickups in this mic. Let me turn that to mono. Mono e mono. Hey, while he works on the audio, did I hear you guys talk about a Minecraft version that may have uh, GPU agnostic soft ray trace rendering in it? Was yeah, so there's custom build or a special mm-hmm. build. Yeah, what do you guys a, know about a that? Custom shader hack or okay. however that works that uh, somebody developed that uses CPU based ray tracing. Uh, but it's a, you take a huge performance hit. Like what kind of CPU do you think you need to kind of get 30 frames or more out of it? Uh, I couldn't give you a specific uh, model. There were a number of videos on YouTube comparing now that RTX is out comparing RTX to that software uh, ray tracing mm-hmm. and all the videos had the software ray tracing running at a, a noticeably judder, juddery pace. And I imagine some of these people making these videos probably have high-end systems. So mm. it's it's probably a lot. I mean, there's a reason why we need dedicated RTX cores. Right. I was just going to go talk Minecraft later. And I was going to try and sound smart. Well, I'm, I, don't, <laughs> I have no idea. My son <laughs> gave up asking me how to do things in Minecraft a long time ago. <laughs> Is he just, I never, I mean, I was 30 when Minecraft came out. It just not, it was something I didn't get into. And, and so he's into it like crazy now. And, and he's just building things and asking me about mods. And I have no, I have right. no idea to tell him. I also have developed incredible sympathy for my father being <laughs> in that position. Like just looking down, get out of here, you little shit. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, by the way, I don't know if this is any better, but I, I, Cannot change it from stereo to mono. That's okay. Not an well, I, I switched you virtually to map both map the left. Oh, both, okay. So, all right. Just all give right. it a good kiss. That's the best way to get mono. 
it should be better. All right, well, let's continue on with the news. We've got something I know Brett wants to talk about. Apple, uh, despite oh, yeah. the um, you know current state of not being able to have a big press release or a big press event where the audience claps for every little word, they decided they were going to release uh, an update to the iPhone SE. This is also known as what happens when you've got lots of extra uh, parts lying around and your customers uh, can't pay their mortgage all of a sudden. You come out with a low price, but still very interestingly specced phone. This is, uh, yeah, the iPhone SE. It's not, I mean, we've already had an iPhone SE, so there's no two on the name, but I guess we'll call it the 2020 version. Well, Apple isn't really big on doing that sort of uh, naming scheme. They tend to use the same name over and over again and just expect you to know the difference. Well, they've done that on like the MacBooks and or the, the Macs yeah. and, and stuff for sure, and now some of the iPads. But the the phones have yeah. always been very had a progression to them. Very true, but some of the differences on this one are it's dual SIM capable, which is nice because it'll do two phone numbers, of course, obviously. Wi-Fi six built in, that's a cool thing. Uh, but the oh, it's um the coolest thing is probably the A thirteen chip, which is uh, borrowed from the flagship eleven Pro. But yeah. at a price point of uh, three ninety nine versus seven hundred minimum to get into the eight thirteen up to like eleven hundred, so they're bringing that f- flagship chip down to essentially a six S or eight eight kind of style uh, uh, phone, same sort of cornering uh, edging. I mean, uh, wireless charging uh, is is, uh, is on it. Four um, K video sixty. That's pretty cool. Single lens camera though. Um, uh, trying to remember the resolution, 12 meg, 12 megapixel, I think. But, but to me, like one of the more, more critical aspects, and we can talk a little bit this about this, this aspect of the technology later. It's got a home button. I like home buttons. No headphone jack. I'm not that much of a Luddite, but I like the home button. Oh, come on. There's, <laughs> the, the headphone jack still has plenty of practical applications. I, I oh, like yeah. the headphone jack, but I, you know, it's like, okay, I can get a little dongle. All right. A dongle. Um, but I, I'm really, you know, more tweaking over like, Hey, a home button again. Yeah. I, I might like that. And the yeah. form factor is more pocketable. I, I do miss the, the home button, uh, on the, the latest iPhones primarily because if I'm in a situation where I can't look at my phone, how do you yeah. unlock it? Like uh, if I'm in the car and I want to change this song, but Spotify has locked, I can just reach over while keeping my eyes on the road. And now I've got to, mm-hmm. I've got to go unlock. You know, hey, how about that tactile feel of which ends up? Thanks, Johnny Ive and the i, uh, you know, the Apple TV yeah. uh, remote. But yeah. yeah, okay, it's got an inbuilt affordance mechanism to say this end up. You know, I, I can't deny well, it. Uh, most of the iPhones, like the the, the camera bump, can kind of give you that. Uh, True, that but, sensation. But by feel, I cannot feel which end is up unless. You happen to put your thumb over the earpiece cutout. If you have, like, I have an iPhone 10. It's a little bit older now, but there's no discernible difference in the hand. There's no difference in balance. I, it's easy to pick up upside down unless you happen to be feeling around the edges to know where the buttons are, which it sounds ridiculous. I mean, it's it's a very small thing. What I think is interesting about this phone is it's pairing an A13 with a low-resolution screen. So it's the same resolution screen as an iPhone 8, and you're putting an A13 in it. So that's going to have significantly better performance Mm -hmm. uh, than it would be if it was driving 1080p or higher. So it's still 326 PPI. It's still their definition of retina. They haven't dropped that number since... 
as their minimum anyway, since the iPhone 4's introduction, the contrast ratio sounds high. So it, if they're obviously, they're using LCD, they're using IPS display here. They're claiming 1400 to one contrast ratio. If that's a static number and they typically don't overstate their specs, that is a very high contrast IPS display. Yeah. So it should look very good. And the brightness well, 625 is 625 nits high. is pretty high too. Yeah. So it, it sounds, I, yeah. I, I don't love the lower resolution screens anymore. My wife has an iPhone 11, which has that lower res screen. It was basically the uh, 10R replacement, but she had to have the color. So, I mean, you, you have to make concessions to screen resolution. wonder who made the uh, Wi-Fi 6 chip. Hmm. Mm, yeah. That's a damn good question. Because I mean, didn't, didn't Apple buy Intel's modem? Yep. They bought the 5G they bought the, modem yeah, business. The five, right, the yeah, cellular modem the 5G. business. Yeah. I, I, doesn't it have to be an AX series? Uh, I don't know. I, no, I'm wrong. Because Qualcomm has a Wi-Fi 6 solution, don't they? Yeah, but I just can't Qualcomm's. see Apple putting Qualcomm in quite yet. Are you they made nice. Sure? They paid all that money. Might as well use them. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, well, they sued yeah. each other for a while, and then Apple gave them a couple billion, and everybody's happy. They paid the money. I don't think they're playing nice yet. Well, you know, it's well, like it two dominatrixes that have a, a common, uh, you know, they, they, they love knitting. They, yeah. they love knitting. And so, you know, it's something that, that binds them together. But, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the base mentality of, of both of them are the rough. Yes. Well, we'll see once these. I'll sue uh, you until you like me. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, it well, works for I some. Mean... <laughs> it works for some. Uh, so four uh, four twenty four April twenty fourth. These will become available at three ninety nine, starting at three ninety nine, as Brett said. And yeah, that's that's. Uh, th this is probably with that. Assuming there's no other changes, which there might be that we don't know about yet. But with that A thirteen chip. In this 399 product, that's probably the most aggressive Apple's been with technology, their hardware ever, really. I mean, I can't think of another time where they think so well, quickly. Think of the $279 starting point of the new iPad. So although this is well, probably a higher end buy, even at 399 it seems like a better mm -hmm. deal. And it, we didn't really talk that much about the price. The price is everything. Yeah, it has the A13. Oh, the price is A13 but the price, 399 for an unlocked phone... Is dual, you know, dual right sim in the middle. 64 gig, 64 gig, right? Yeah, is this dual sim sim like my uh, nano sim plus e sim? I can't imagine Apple putting a dual sim tray in one of their phones. I know they were into soft sim. Uh, I don't know. I should yeah. look that up. I would assume. It's I bet soft it's sim. an e sim plus nano, but I'd be surprised. I know they had just. We don't done have to talk about sim anymore. One of their. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking there. As, as as usual, Apple doesn't provide very specific information about their tech specs. Oh, you so. know, you want it. Just, uh, you know, people want it. Don't bother asking about the particulars. Yeah. Just buy it. I rely, hey, I rely on the teardowns for specs and there yeah. is no teardown yet, so. apparently. So, right. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, I, li I like the aggressive pricing, uh, maybe a realization on their part that the market is going to be very different because of the economic hurt from this whole situation. And maybe other companies There's will follow suit. Maybe they'll realize it's, it's going to be one of the cheapest. going to be one of the cheapest webcams you can buy at three ninety nine. So that's that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. It's, it's, but it's not just the current situation. They've been seeing cell phone sales declining for the last eighteen twenty four months. 
everyone who needs a sim or a a cell phone pretty much has one and they're not as willing to to go and line up for the brand newest thing that is you know somewhat discernible from the previous one if you're like us but as an end user is just shinier and newer and has less cracks on the screen and not everyone can afford a thousand dollar cell phone yeah no shit or needs or needs one yeah yeah I mean, it I hurts thought, more when you break a thousand dollar phone. That's for sure. Indeed. Well, they're happy to offer offer you Apple Care Plus with your purchase. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Just please no, don't visit us in the store. Well, well right. Uh, I was going to say there's no commissions on Apple Store Plus. As a former Apple retail employee, there's no commissions. But it's basically commissions. there's no if commission on Apple Care Plus. Is that like are you saying that with a wink, or there really no, isn't? Well, any there there is. You you make no additional money. But if you don't, they track it. And if you don't sell enough, uh, the attach rate, as they would say, uh, you get reprimanded. You don't get promoted. You may get fired. Yeah. And uh, so people would, they used to, and I mean, this is 10 years ago. Well, not even, uh, nine years ago. But uh, if, if you were helping, a, if you were an employee and another employee was there and you realized the customer you were helping was not going to buy Apple Care Plus for their Mac or iPhone, you would try to push Whoa. them off. To the other uh, other nice, employees, yeah. and they would get the sale. <laughs> oh, I, I, I got to go to break. Hey, Jeremy, can you take this one for me? Thanks, buddy. See ya. Hello. <laughs> nice. It was better to not they make a that... sale than mess with your uh, attach rate. That's yeah. bad. Because they, they, they saw that buy on the extended warranty back in the day. Yeah, it's, it was very similar, except like our counterparts at big box retail, like electronic stores, they would make a commission. Like they actually made a little True. bit if they sold. Whereas we had no, there was no incentive financially. But if you didn't hit that percentage of your sales as Apple Care, you got to talk into. And I know at least one person. Uh, well, they didn't get fired, but they were denied a well otherwise well deserved promotion and quit because of it. So anyway, they weren't wearing enough flair. Uh, if, you know, I'll never be able to go back to Apple now if I hadn't already burned those bridges. Mm, yeah. Well, let's talk about hard drives, everyone. So everybody loves nice, high-capacity hard drives. Oh, dirty pool. Dirty pool. Yeah. So this all started a few months ago. Uh, the folks over at the Data Hoarder subreddit, which is a really interesting place to visit for a number of reasons, if you're into storage and acquiring assets and even piracy to a certain degree, uh, just the <laughs> digital acquisition of, of data and, and information, they noticed that the new uh, Western Digital Reds, which are NAS drives, and specifically the two, four, and six terabyte models, weren't performing quite right. They were slower than they should be. Uh, they would be put into like you'd, you'd buy a new one to replace a dead drive in your RAID, and it wouldn't rebuild properly. ZFS-based systems were having all kinds of trouble, so they looked into it and they were like, "Hold on, are these drives SMR?" SMR being a new uh, uh, mechanism for putting more, for more cheaply putting higher density uh, data onto a platter. And, and, and they reached out to Western Digital at that point, and they, Western Digital said, no, absolutely not, because we do sell SMR-based products, we would, but we tell you that, and none of these drives listed that as a characteristic. So more time goes by. And now uh, a number of people, Paul's Hardware is one that wrote up one of the stories. Uh, they, they've proven that there is SMR-based uh, recording in these two, four, and six terabyte Western Digital Red drives. 
And they reached out to uh, Western Digital themselves. And the company basically said, well, okay, fine. But we we only hold ourselves to the performance characteristics. So if we advertise that a drive can hit 150 megabyte per second sequential read or, or write, and, it, and, and the drive we ship can, then that's kind of all that matters. But of course, anyone who knows about this is saying that's not okay because you don't want to mix SMR in with CMR and you don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to have the performance hit from other, other operations beyond sequential. So there's no solution here yet. We're not sure if, if uh, Western Digital, and apparently Western Digital is not the only company that is, that is doing this. Tom's also discovered right. that other companies are involved yeah. as well. Seagate, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So and, we can't actually blame Hitachi completely for this. Right. As much as I'd like to, because they've got such a stellar reputation over the years. I don't know if you're in a position where you've bought one of these products and you're able to return it, you're within that return window, try it. If you're able, to, if you're outside of the return window, still try it, I guess. Uh, if you're if you're going to use it for basically just straight sequential workloads, like it's a DVR drive for your uh, media center or for a, a camera setup or something, that's fine. SMR stuff is okay for that. But if you're if it's if it's part of a, an array, especially if it's not all SMR, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I, I try to get rid of it because it's, it's not okay. And again, there's nothing wrong with SMR drives per se, but they do have negative performance compared to their traditional counterparts and other SMR drives had been labeled as such so that you knew what you were buying. And it wasn't the yeah. case here. They were not labeled as SMR. So... Well, but they're good for write once, read many, you know, in the yes. you know movie archive, you know, music archives type stuff, or not a lot of thrashing like in a raid, which is constantly rebalancing, which is part of the problem. Yeah. You're getting a lot of, you know, data moving around or the management software or management engine or firmware, you know, moving stuff around to balance the load. And there's there's where the problem creeps in. Like literally, yeah. if, if it had been any other line but reds, it wouldn't make oh, it so offensive. Very yeah. But this is seriously the ones you don't want that on. Because, you know, shingle magnetic, it, it's brilliant when it came out. You know the the whole idea that you're you've got it set up so you can overlap tracks and you can have unheard of uh, storage density, at least before it started to come out, it was brilliant. But you know, as you know, Al pointed out back in the day when he was doing the reviews here, it is for very specific purposes because if, if it's going to be thrashed, if if you're doing the random uh, reads and writes, it's it it's not what it's for. But when you put it in what it's for, it's brilliant and it's fairly low cost. You don't have to go to some of the more exotic and esoteric solutions that we've had to over the years. So it's not that there's anything wrong with the drives themselves. It's just that you don't market a specifically a RAID WD red drive and then make it SMR because like people are going to lose data because if you're using it on its own, it's fine. It, it's going to be slow. It's going to annoy the hell out of you. It's going to be like a, an MLC drive that uh, the cache is filled and suddenly it's released. It's as slow as a hard drive. But if you're sticking in the RAID, you've got to expect it's going to be constantly getting fed random writes and it's not going to be able to do it. Your RAID's going to throw up all sorts of errors and say, you know, screw this. You can't do it. And a lot of the people that found out about it were putting it in because they had a dead drive and they need to pop this in to help, you know, keep the array going. And it died. 
And that's awful. Yeah. That rebuild is scary. Yeah. And, uh, uh, David in the, uh, discord chat, he, he had mentioned that Synology was also involved. That's true. Uh, Synology mm -hmm. had been reached out to by these data hoarder folks and they were all involved And in Synology said, yeah, something's a foul here. Uh, they couldn't pinpoint exactly, uh, what at first, but, but yeah, uh, Tom's, Tom's hardware here says they use an analogy that says, um, imagine buying an SSD that has cheaper QLC NAND in it, but it's not marketed as that. It just, you know, it says, it just says an SSD. It doesn't specify QLC or even worse. It, it says just, just, uh, excuse me. It just says SSD, but it, it's from a line that previously used, uh, TLC. And mm -hmm. now they've switched without telling you to QLC which is the problem with, as Jeremy was saying, with these folks who have arrays already and they're just replacing a drive. Because these were this was not always the case. The reds were not always this way. And uh, and so you, you have a whole array of reds, everything's fine. You go to replace one drive and now, whoops, that's a problem. Uh, it's only up to six six terabytes, though. I think that's what they mentioned. Well, sure. So but that's got to be the biggest chunk of the market. I agree. Two to six. I agree, yeah. Well, it's, it's up to six that are not labeled properly because a lot of drives right. at higher capacity are SMR drives. Just in general, but and you, you can tell that from the marketing. So, and you don't want to piss off your customers that are buying the ten plus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they they are going to get upset in ways you don't want them to. It's a lot of data to lose, and, and a lot of money to lose. I'm sure they will do everything in their power to avoid a recall, but they'll, if they're smart, and I'm sure there'll be a a backlash. This is just starting, so if this gets significant they'll end up having to issue some sort of a statement and say you know if you're dissatisfied with the performance of your drive you can send it in for a replacement that sort of thing that's what i would expect they are the go-to name for anyone i've ever known it's like we all we've all had bad experience with seagate drives western digital is the go-to brand if you want to populate an ass so for them especially now that two and four terabyte drives are so rel relatively affordable they're like go-to drives and even sixes when they're on sale. But to have to buy an eight or 10 terabyte drive just to get acceptable performance in a NAS. Because SMR, I don't know if you ever, if anybody listening or watching has used one of these, but these sort of archival drives. I had one, I think it was a five terabyte back when those were considered huge. The performance was so bad, it wasn't worth having the extra space. It took so long to archive things onto the drive that I mean because random reads and writes are very very slow sequential is okay but it, they it's like the analogy about buying an SSD and not knowing what kind of NAND is inside imagine buying an SSD opening it up and you have about eight SD cards daisy chained together inside of the shell it it can be as unresponsive and low performance as that type of flash memory at times so it's a big deal. It's a big deal that the red name gets tarnished like this. Like you guys have been saying, yeah. if it was the blues, okay, they're, they're the most mm -hmm. mainstream drive they sell. They're in cheap pre-built PCs. They cost a green, next to nothing to manufacture. Who cares? Well, they make right. a purple uh, series that is SMR specifically for archival yes. purposes. Yeah. So, well, I know Josh has to run this evening. He's got to go to work and update some servers. So I'm going to let him have the final word here. Anything you want to add on this or any other topic, Josh? Uh, you know, <clears throat> didn't uh, Two Life Crew have a have a song about SMR? Mm. 
I don't know. Oh, that's that's S and M. Yeah, but it's the same S&M. kind of pain. The same kind of pain. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're we're no, back no, to the crocheting uh, dominatrixes, aren't we? Exactly. Yeah. I guess my mind is in one track. Is it shingled? Um, I've been vaccinated for that, so not yet. <laughs> oh, smart man. Yeah. All right. Well, no, Josh, I think uh, I think that's it. So, uh, right. what else was I going to say about the uh, hard drive guys? Nothing. Okay. All right. Thanks for well, having me. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time, and uh, good luck at work tonight. Oh, going to need it. All right. Patch well, patch swiftly. You guys know anything about the hammer technique, the hammer drives? I know Using we, spot, spot heating and HAMR? Yeah, yeah HAMR. We talked about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, when Alan was here still, that was when it was first being looked Heat at. Heat-assisted magnetic recording. Yeah, they've been talking about it since 2015. Supposed to have been out maybe in small quantity to uh, enterprise customers 2017, 2018. I'm hearing rumors. They've been talking of, about it a lot of shit. Yeah, but it's it's getting like sort of that realish time frame now in 20 terabytes in 2020. Um, that would be, I don't know what the price of that's going to be when it hits consumerism, but I'm glad I didn't buy a bunch of six terabyte reds now. Yeah. Well, at least in the last year or whenever this change took place uh, i've got i was just thinking about getting a bunch for a i'm like do i need a synology nas maybe i'll you know let's price it all out and i was thinking about it and glad i didn't pull the trigger on it yet no i'm keeping an eye on the class action suit and if it's it launches (laughs) just buy a whole bunch yeah yeah (laughs) and then get free upgrades (laughs) yeah we'll give everybody tens or eights Uh, now in that case what would happen is You'd end up getting a three dollar coupon on your next Western Digital purpose or purchase. While the lawyers took home right. six hundred million. Yeah. yeah, as is tradition. I still remember uh, speaking of absurd class actions. Was it Red Bull or some energy drink product was found to cause heart uh, heart problems? <laughs> and the, the solution yeah. from the or class local. action was two free cans. Yeah, so. <laughs> free Red Bull, everyone. Yeah. Well, those didn't kill you. Maybe Seriously. these ones will. I didn't know that they did that. Uh, this was a, years Not ago, good. but it was... Yeah, uh, you got a coupon for free Red Bull. I remember yep. this. Mm. Uh, and I, and I, I don't know if it was for sure Red Bull, but it was an energy drink. I don't want to uh, cause a libel situation here. All right, well, let's jump into the rest of the news here. Uh, we've got some info unfolding at home. We've talked about this for a while. Uh, that's the distribu- distributed computing uh, system. And uh, they... Uh, ramped up in response to the COVID-19 situation using uh, their projects, which normally study study things like cancer and and Parkinson's. They're looking at how to understand this new virus so that new treatments and and, uh, prevention methods can be developed. And they quickly jumped off to an exaflop, I think it was, they passed a couple weeks ago. And now, according to a tweet uh, just a couple days ago, they're they're at 2.4 exaflops. Oh, I'm, I don't think it was a couple of weeks. I think it was like a week. A week ago. Yeah, yeah it's, maybe it's, 10 days they passed the uh, exaflop. It has exploded. And uh, so here's their tweet from the 13th uh, saying that they're now at approximately 2.4 exaflops, which is, again, at supercomputer levels in particular, and especially with a distributed computing model, this isn't like you're applying all of that power to one operation. It's it's tricky in what you can use this for. It's not the same as one giant computer that could run 
at this uh, performance level, but it's still impressive. And so what they're saying is uh, in in the aggregate, in total, that 2.4 exaflop of this new folding at home community surpasses all 500 of the world's top supercomputers combined. Mm-hmm. And so that's for that's well-phrased impressive. computational problems. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, fair. So that's impressive. And uh, I, I know I've had a couple systems uh, spun up uh, in the last couple of weeks when this became an issue uh, uh, to contribute there. And of course, uh, if you want to contribute too, we do have a PC per folding at home team. Uh, it's team number 734. And uh, we'll have a link to the team page there. Uh, if you've never used folding at home, it's very easy. You can just uh, you can run it in your browser. There's a Chrome app. I don't think the I don't think the browser can take advantage of the GPU. I think you need the desktop app for that. But in general, very easy to set up. Uh, you just add the team. You don't need a team if you don't want to. But if you'd like to contribute your points to a, a specific team, just put the the 734 in that uh, team field, uh, team ID field, and you can join us here. Oh man, there's some old names. Yeah, this this has been going for a while. I'm Matten, the computer guy, sick Willie. There I am. Uh, some old friends there. With my old website. When I was just a reader and watcher of PC Perspective, and I ran a website called Tech Review, I created an account. And there it is. Okay, Wait the Jester's still alive or his computer still is. Yeah. Pac-Man fan. Activate AMD. So uh, so that's that's fun if you're interested in participating there. And it's, uh, it's going to use energy. Your electric bill will go up. But, you know. It's better than computer. Bitcoin. It's, been, yeah, it's right. not anywhere near as stressful on hardware as mining. Plus, there are lag periods where you're waiting on a job or you're mm-hmm. waiting to connect to a server to send your completed job to. And that's been the big <laughs> thing is they there's been such a response to this that they're pretty much at their limit as far as servers to accept your oh, yeah. jobs back, especially with the yeah. GPU stuff. It seems like those bigger models take a while to find somebody to send it to. I've been running between two and three systems for the last week, almost like the last five days. And that's the biggest thing as I, I just watch is the GPU is idle and idle and idle. And then finally it gets a job and then it waits to send it. So if you do get started, don't be discouraged. Just leave it, leave it in the background. Half the time it may not be doing anything. And then the rest of the time is actually trying to help solve this that's amazing. I guess, and it is a thing with distributed computing that, that will happen. I, I remember back many years ago when AMD MB was uh, in a competition with Hardo CP and a couple of other sites, and we're coming damn close to breaching the the top ten on the planet of SETI at home. And uh, Dave Pender was the old mod at that point, sitting there. We're, we're literally screaming at each other because we can't get a work unit. They're, they're, they're gone. They're just, just, they're not feeding it quick enough. And we're watching and that bastard on the other team got one and they're surpassing us. So yeah, no, it's, it, there is a bit of patience because it, it's a big spike that they're not expecting, but the, they're going to work on the infrastructure and they're going to be able to feed you the work units soon. So don't give up just because you couldn't get it right away. And it didn't seem exciting. It, it will get better. Yeah, that was the, it was interesting. There's a researcher who runs that project and he tweets out, I, I don't recall his twi- uh, Twitter handle now, but I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. And he was tweeting as in those first couple of weeks after people became aware of this, and I don't like uh, Linus Tech Tips, they did a video on joining their team and that brought a whole uh, surge of users in. And he was, he was reporting like sort of like a tech, like an IT 
update on their side. And he was saying, we've never seen this. We've had a 18,000% increase in demand. Uh, we just put four new servers online and they were saturated, saturated within 60 yep. seconds. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's good and it's bad, but uh, you know, it, it's, and there's points and it's a competition, but it's not really. So just let it run. It will pick up the work units when it can. Uh, it's not wasting any energy when it's just sitting there as well. So uh, yeah, hang in there. And, and uh, I don't know if they're actually going to ever catch up on server capacity because at some point you don't want to over-invest because <laughs> when, when this is over, unfortunately, the participation is going to fall off a cliff and they don't yeah. want to have all this additional capacity sitting around. But uh, Well, all but the computational now. problems will be solved. I mean, what's what's left to solve, right? After- well, all the other diseases that they're not working on now, like cancer. Oh, oh those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Because haven't you noticed no one's dying in this country from any other disease? It's it's only one. You know, cause I have of noticed now. that. Yeah, it seems did you to happen me. to notice that like the death from flu has gone to almost zero? Pneumonia, Here. yeah. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I don't want to go into conspiracy theories about why that no. might be, but uh, let's talk about uh, some other statistics that are going to zero, and that's the PC sales, uh, the industry, <laughs> along with a lot of uh, you know. The PC industry in general has been a hard time for the last few years, and this 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 new situation with having uh, supply chain issues, production issues, uh, is is no help. So tell us what's going on with the uh, the latest sales report uh, for PCs. Uh, well, I mean, as you'd expect, it's not looking all that good for the last quarter because, believe it or not, we we are through the first quarter of 2020 already. It's it's hard to tell the time, but it is true. Uh, so the three major companies that uh, sort of track uh, the, the PC market, and they all have slightly different definitions of what a PC is or what a, what a full shipment is. So the, the numbers vary, but they all agree that in every single case, you know, we've seen at least a drop of 50 million units being shipped out. Uh, depending on who you're looking at, you're... you're varying between about 8 to 12% uh, decline compared to the first quarter of last year. It's big. Like, it's not unexpected. Uh, if you didn't really expect this, then there's you, you really shouldn't be doing the, the job of foreseeing market uh, shares. Apple is probably the biggest hit one, uh, which saw just about just over 20% drop. Uh, wow. Dell was amazing. And, you know, the, the plural of anecdote isn't data, but, uh, I've had some bad experiences with their supply chain lately, but they actually managed a 1% growth. Now this is nowhere near what the investors were predicting, you know, six months ago, nine months ago, but to be able to manage that is absolutely amazing. And it, it it's a mix of a bunch of things. Uh, one which has happened even before this was that the, the the surge in sales that we saw from big companies retiring their Windows 7 machines to be able to buy a new machine with a Windows 10 license, well, it's been long enough, you're not going to see those sales anymore. But at the same time, we had a huge spike in laptop sales as a bunch of people transitioned to working from home, where usually they were working at a desktop from an office somewhere. So those may or may not have balanced each other out, but the problem is that the heart of the supply chain is sitting in, you know, the Orient. So by being hit there first early in the, the year, arguably before the turn of this year, all of a sudden the components aren't coming into the factories to be assembled. Then the factories that were being assembling the pieces 
are no longer populated. The places that finally put everything together in the hard shell to ship out aren't doing it. So we're, we're going to see these sort of numbers at least for a while, I'm sure. I, there, there is no way to instantaneously change uh, the, the complexity of a supply chain like we've got with computers. On the other hand, to be honest, I 3% is a huge loss. 1% is a recession, 3 to 5 is a depression. So 8 to 12 is monstrous, but it's not 50%. It's not like everything was 100% shut down and there is literally nothing coming in. It's a huge hit. Uh, we don't know what this is going to do to prices. And to be honest, we don't know what it's going to do to supply either. I... So it's going to be very, very difficult to predict uh, if your machines are going to be coming in, what's going to be available. And it's it's got to be really hard for AMD, Intel, NVIDIA. They're all hoping to be launching new products. And as, as we mentioned earlier, the, the 4,000s from AMD, they, they're, they're instantly sold out. Is this just a huge spike in demand? Is it that there is supply issues? It, it's a very strange place to be in, but now we've got at least some numbers to say, yeah, like a good 10% of the market is gone, like just disappeared, doesn't exist anymore. And it's going to be a while before it comes back. It's bleak, isn't it, guys? Well, considering that Apple finally solved the perfect computer two-in-one question by adding mouse support <laughs> to the iPad, there's no need to buy a computer anymore. What is a computer? Yeah, speaking to the guys Jim, that lost two out of every is, ten sale. <laughs> doesn't this just show what a nice, tight ship that Timmy runs there from a pipeline perspective? He's got that just dialed in. And it's it, the sure when it's interrupted, that becomes a 20% drop, but you know, they've got no shelf warmers. Yeah, there's an Apple spin for you. Sure. Their yeah. pipeline is is just Perfectly timed with demand. So it's there you trim. go. There's my, road co well, my it, rose colored glasses. I mean, it could be. It could be. We don't know. All we know is sales numbers and sales going I'm down. Just, they may have foreseen yeah. that. And yeah. we'll, we'll see in these coming months as Apple, as things start to open back up again. And if I, as I can get to the Apple store and get my MacBook back because it was repaired there and it's been sitting there hostage because their stores are closed. Uh, well, so once long? I get... Since they closed at the end of March, right? In March or oh, wow. middle of March. It's been weeks. I mean, I only used it to edit on Final Cut. And now I've switched to Premiere pretty much entirely. So it's no big loss here. But I'd like to get it back at some point so I can sell it or something. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, used market for Apple Apple stuff. But, yeah, we'll, we'll yes, it's a huge market. Yeah. Um, also, uh, just on the, on the last... Uh, Topic with folding at home, the chat was pointing out, and correctly so, that there is another uh, COVID. Well, there's another project, and it's a Boink project called Rosetta at Home. So you're running yes. this through the Boink client, which, which is separate from folding. Yes, and it's uh, it's they it, it, it studies a number of things, but one of the things it's studying is COVID nineteen, and they they have no shortage of work units, at least that I've seen that others are reporting. So you can run that on your CPU. Uh, turn off CPU for folding at home and just use your GPU. And in that way, you're always taking advantage of whatever's uh, coming into you because uh, it is it is CPU only. No GPU projects uh, for Rosetta uh, at this at this time, at least. 
So again, that's Rosetta at home uh, through Boink. And there's a PC per team for that as well. I don't think we're as highly ranked over there. Okay, uh, let's... Well, no, we're not finished with the news yet. We're almost there. Let's uh, almost finish the news. We've got some more uh, bad news, security-related stuff uh, coming out of... Uh, let's see, who wrote this up? It was uh, ours. Yeah, so ours is telling us about a, a real bad little botnet that has... Uh, started to appear no. dark nexus yeah. what's going on here jeremy so this one is is freaking nasty uh there there has been a little bit of good news uh coming out which is that some of the researchers have figured out how it's not removable uh they figured out the way that it continues even after a reboot because that's one of the things about the internet of how far are we out from the ad uh the internet of things is that you know, at least after a reboot, generally, you, you lose all the, the malware processes that you had before. This thing, this dark nexus, it is continuing. It, it doesn't matter. It lasts after a reboot. Uh, in some cases, they're looking at it will last after a firmware update. The When they first found it, uh, which is about... Uh, 90 days, maybe 100 days ago, uh, they've seen 30 full code updates. It's sort of uh, like it, it's related to some of the ones that we've seen before, Mirai and uh, was it Qbot, I think was the other one. So it, it inherits some of that DNA, but it's obviously been built new. It's ridiculously well-crafted. It's being constantly updated and the the worst part about this bloody thing is it doesn't care about your CPU. In a, in a lot of cases, if you're running uh, an ARM processor, you're only vulnerable to these specific types. If you've got an older Intel or AMD, you're only vulnerable to these specific types. This thing, uh, I think at last count, it was about a dozen different CPUs across uh, a variety of different architectures are running it to be even funnier. Uh, the way that the internet of things tracks, uh, malware is that it, it'll assign it a score based on its behavior. And so if, it, if it's running strange things and it's constantly repeating, uh, commands and getting updates from a, an unknown unsigned server, you know, it, it usually gets a, a higher, higher, higher score, once it's above 90, chances are it's going to get killed as a process just automatically. Once it hits 100, it's supposed to. This freaking thing is able to keep itself down around a 10. Even though it's doing the, the most obnoxious things, it is constantly updating. It's just providing junk traffic because, of course, it, it, in and of its heart, it's another distributed denial of service uh a service for anyone that wants to, you know, do like, what was it? The low orbit, uh, what was that old DDoS service? I don't recall. You, you could essentially rent it and like DDoS yeah. any site on the planet. You wanted to DDoS Amazon, throw them enough money, they could do it. That's exactly what this is. It's distributed as, yeah, low orbit ion cannon. Thank you, Mir. Uh, and so that's, it, it's a newer one, but it's, significantly more advanced than anything that's been reported lately. I, it's just nasty. There's even 
and I don't recommend that you ever go to this, but there's a YouTube channel. In the code is uh, greek.helios. There's number of uh, references to it. And so some of the researchers looked and found out that, lo and behold, the arsehole has a YouTube channel. Uh, it's been taken down numerous times. Uh, the videos have anyways. And what he's doing is showing the services that he offers. Hey, if, if you need to take a site down, here's where you contact me. Shoot me a bit of cryptocurrency and uh, we can do it. So, yeah, it's it's really kind of nasty. And as I'm saying, it's almost impossible to remove at this point. We, we really need... I, the, the standard that ARM is talking about with a baked-in security, uh, the software standards that Intel, Qualcomm, and a number of others are talking about implementing for the Internet of Garbage, because this is what's going to happen, is that, yes, uh, your toaster and your fridge and your router and everything else are literally taking down sites across the planet. As a as a technologist, uh, you'd think that we'd be more into this sort of stuff, but um, with the advent of this sort of situation, I mean, I've written a lot of code in the past, a lot of software, a lot of uh, image uh, processing stuff, uh, microcode for uh, hybrid solutions and things of that nature. I mean, online things in the financial industry and in the health in industry, and I've written a lot of software over the years. And with the advent of, of these uh, helpful agents that you can have in your home, smart TVs, smart toasters, smart refrigerators, uh, uh, doorbells and locks and things like that, and digital assistants. Um, yeah, I don't adopt any of that. Um, and because I know how stuff works and I'd like to keep like a, like a bat next to my, uh, my printer. And if it ever has the digital equivalent of clearing its throat and saying, excuse me, I want it beaten to death as fast as possible. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of people no, out there who don't know how stuff works. Is wooden. Sorry, go ahead. Have you heard that one in a blacksmith's house? Every, every knife is wooden. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I've written a bunch. Of, I don't want any software driving my car for God's sakes. I don't know how Alan does it, but uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, Al Alan doesn't just do I, it. I, I like he's he's on GitHub downloading third party. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, he's uh, patching as he goes. Yeah. Yeah. While he's driving it, it's like, you know, let's see what this does. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the point is, is that we're all technologists and I want that stuff at arm's length and I want to be able to shed it off at will. And I don't Hell want to yeah. be in charge of anything like there's a standard joke, which isn't funny at all, but that I say all the time. And that's computers make very fast, very accurate mistakes. You know, I don't want that driving me around or driving my toaster or locking me out of my refrigerator or ringing my doorbell or listening to me or any number of other things. Yeah. Drink Thanks, verification IOT. can to continue. Oh, exactly. Remember that reference, but uh, and I know computers. This is why. Yeah, it's uh, it's no good. <laughs> but yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe there is a. Oh, and of course, what you're saying though is it's multifaceted. It's there's this inherent security vulnerability, but then there's also just the functionality, privacy, <laughs> ownership, accessibility kind of side of things too, and. Yeah, but in this Jeremy case, did. it's literally the Internet of Things is, you know, literally a, a hardware feature is insecurity and the ability to, you know, destroy everything. I, I think the, the wedge that they're getting in is people don't change the defaults. 
I mean, there some of them are shipped insecure with stupid services. In some cases, on, but... you can't. It's literally firmware. <laughs> yeah, and and it's yeah. it's on the manufacturers of these products that are marketed towards average consumers to anticipate that that's going to happen. That you know, Uncle Betty or Uncle Betty, Uncle Barb and <laughs> Uncle Who? Uncle Phil and Aunt Betty <laughs> are not going to change their Wi-Fi settings. They're not going to use WPA. They're not going to you know uh, isolate a subnet on their Wi-Fi router. They're going to set it up and press play and set their password to password. And and so at, at some level, there needs to be responsibility on the, on the manufacturers and designers. And, and that's where ARM is looking at, you know, where they can implement some sort of hardware, you know, yeah, firewall right. or, or backstop. But Jim, I had thrown a show note in there for uh, for people to go visit their uh, router uh, to see if they've got a WAN accessible UPnP which is a Microsoft derived, it's uh, shields up. You could probably do this in any other way. Yeah. But this is a, this is one way to do it. It's just to make sure that it's really easy to go and check that you don't have a very obvious backdoor, which some routers actually have had turned on and it's when it's called uh, WAN accessible UPnP and it's a Microsoft invented protocol for port uh, turning on and, and forwarding that you do not No, they want invented it for hackers. Come on, Brett. <laughs> That's the only use for UPnP is for hackers to take advantage it of. It was for Xbox. It was originally for Xbox so you could battle your, you know, like Uncle Bob across town. I was going to say, if you don't have UPnP enabled, it's a pain in the ass if you're just on a console, because then how is it going to automatically open ports for you when you're playing online? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Say that like it's a good thing. Anyway, this is a, a one way. You can work your way through that. There's like two steps inside there, inside that shields up, that you can go in and have your router scanned. I think it's port 1900. It might be. I don't know if I remember correctly. but something I like think that. so, yeah. And that's, uh, that's just one of the many tools available yeah. from security researcher Steve, Steve Gibson over at grc.com. So we'll have a link to that. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know him, he, you should. He's a character. He does a show over on Twitter uh, called Security Now. And uh, he's it's one of the oldest shows on the network. I think it was like the second yeah. show after yep. this weekend. He's a, he's a character. He's just, he's, he's nuts, but like he, he's, he's, uh, I didn't know he was nuts. I didn't know that. He's secure oh. to a paranoid degree. Oh, you're being sarcastic, I see. But yeah. It's, <laughs> I thought it was it's normal. Funny. It's funny. Um, all right. Uh, let's finish up the news here. We've got some announcements or an announcement about a uh, classic game, uh, a genre, hardware, platform defining title coming back. It had been rumored for a while and was confirmed, uh, I believe, today. Well, uh, they that, kind of spilled the beans. Yeah. Yeah. C Crisis Remastered is coming. We don't have an, a release date yet, uh, but it'll be available on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch, uh, which is interesting, you know, that a, a title known for its incredible hardware demands, uh, arguably to a fault, will be coming to the something like the Switch, which is notably underpowered, but I'm sure they'll make it work. Uh, on the PC side, at least, uh, there's uh, the outlets that were briefed on this ahead of time have mentioned uh, that it's going to be just like its its original launch. It's going to be demanding. So, if you have uh, high end, uh, you know, RTX cards and high end processors, it's it's going to take advantage of them uh, to update the game there. So, yeah. By the way, because I saw this rumored before the reveal, I think it was two nights ago. I was looking at the old preview article back when 
PC Perspective did a crisis preview. I think it was before the game yep. was released. And it was Ryan's setup, which I think had an 8800 GTX and a dual core, like an E6600 or something, Core 2 Duo. And then Jeremy actually had the Core 2 Quad and an 8800 Yeah, my Q6600. Yeah. Yeah, it was a 6800 GS. Looking at the the oh. performance, it was okay at 1024 by 768. But then you turned up the AI and you just it just became a slideshow. And then yeah. Ryan did some testing at 1900 by 1200, which was appalling. Uh, it's, it's just, I, I seriously doubt we'll have anything like that. If it's a multi-platform game, it's going to be a lot more optimized. Wasn't a lot of the performance with that, that it was, it was rendering stuff off screen at full resolution that you would never see. And I, a little bit, no crisis two was worse for that. Uh, Cause it did the water it? table. Okay. Oh, Crisis 2 okay. did the water That's table right. through the entire freaking game, even on the levels where there wasn't <laughs> any water. Well, there's always water underground somewhere. That's just realism. Yeah, realism. Yeah, but it wasn't Minecraft, so you couldn't dig down to see it. True. Not yet. They're going to reveal with this that, that you always could have, and here we go. Crisis is just a mod for Minecraft. Yeah. That's all. It's that, that fifth suit power you didn't know about. <laughs> All right, and uh, before we get into the reviews, we're just going to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor this week. We'll be right back. One of the most important decisions in business, and especially small business, is finding the right person. That's why it's crucial to use the right tools during the hiring process, and that's where LinkedIn can help. LinkedIn Jobs is a powerful yet easy-to-use service that can quickly match your open job role with a qualified candidate. LinkedIn Jobs leverages the existing LinkedIn business network and its active community of more than 675 million members worldwide to help you identify and screen candidates. And it's not just about a potential candidate's past experience or certifications. LinkedIn Jobs allows you to focus on the hard and soft skills that can help you determine if someone would be a good fit. Things like a candidate's ability to collaborate on a complicated project, their ability to think creatively about problem solving and future strategies, and their ability to adapt to new information in unexpected situations. And thanks to LinkedIn's large network, your post will be seen every day by people who have the skills to fill your open role. And here's the beauty again of leveraging that huge LinkedIn network. Your post will even be seen by people not explicitly looking for a new job, but who otherwise perfectly match your job's requirements. Because sometimes the perfect candidate may not even know there's a better opportunity out there. And despite all of these features, using LinkedIn Jobs to post an application and screen candidates is simple and fast. You can have a post submitted and live in just minutes and be screening candidates within hours. 80% of hirers on LinkedIn found a qualified applicant in just 24 hours. And overall, someone is hired using LinkedIn every 8 seconds. It's no wonder that companies rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. So if you're looking for that right person for your business, find them with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash pcper. Again, that's linkedin.com slash pcper to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. We thank LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. All right, so we've got a, a couple reviews to round out the show here. Um, I just had to format this because, Sebastian, you sent me photos, but they're low resolution, so I had to zoom in here on vMix. Um, they're low resolution or high resolution? They're low resolution. Oh, that's right, because I'm exporting for this, the site. That's right. Yeah. All right, sorry. But So this is a review that, if you're watching live, is not yet on the website. 
right? Right. Okay. So, but it will be probably by the time you listen to this on demand. And this is the the new uh, Ghost Canyon Nook platform from Intel. Right. So, uh, take it away. Well, it's it's this thing. So I have the covers off, so you can actually see inside. But the basis of this, this is very small. It's like nine. It's less than nine and a half inches by about eight and a half inches by about three, just under four inches wide. So it's it's a small box. It's it's significantly smaller than even the Dan cases A4 case. If you're familiar with that, if you're into ultra small form factor. That was the shoebox size case. It's about seven liters in total volume. And this is only five. It's about 4.9. And you can fit a full desktop GPU in here as long as it's eight inches or less. And there's a whole bunch of these mini size GPUs, the most powerful of which is from Asus. It's, it's the one that Intel shipped all the reviewers with these reviewer kits. It's this little dual fan uh, RTX 2070 O8G Mini. They have a couple of the RX2070 Minis in their lineup. The O8G is the slightly overclocked one. But to to put a full-on 2070 into something that's only 5 liters is kind of crazy. And if you look at it, the density of this thing, again, if you're familiar with the Dan cases, it's it's like that, but taken to another level. And the way they can do that is the processor memory, storage, IO, networking, all of it is built into this dual slot width PCI Express card that contains the Core i9 processor, which is a mobile processor. It's one of their high-end mobile parts in the ninth generation. And so it's the, the HK, the 9980HK, which is a 45-watt part. And then it has laptop memory. So you're essentially dealing with laptop parts just as you have from the very beginning with the Nook. Ever since it was first shown in early 2012, it was this 4 by 4 inch concept of a PC that used laptop components to make it ultra small. And that was back in the Ivy Bridge era, and it was dual core mobile parts that were 17 watts. So it was it was never something that could be used for anything other than light computing tasks. And over time, by about 2016, I think it was, they had the Skull trail or skull canyon nook come out and that was the first time they were trying to target a little bit more of a gaming audience but it was still using integrated graphics it was the iris pro 580 graphics in that it was a 6770 h i don't know if it was hk still or whatever the high-end model and it was a laptop cpu again but integrated graphics and then jim i know you have a lot more experience with the what is it the the old Bay Trail. The actual one? name of it. It's the one that has this on the same substrate. It's the Intel processor with the Vega M graphics with HBM2 memory. Yes. Um, it's some. It's what Hades, is the, Hades Canyon. Yeah, Hades um, Canyon. Yeah. I can't remember the code name of the processor, but right. Um, that was oh, just the weird weirdest one. product that came out in 2018, yeah. already dead. But the graphics performance was fine. I was looking at our review of Hades Canyon. Ken tested that, and it was a pretty much trading blows with a, a discrete uh, GTX 1050 Ti. So a very good mainstream gaming solution, but the, the cost was high. It's around $1,000 to buy one of these things. And it was nowhere near the performance of a system you could build yourself for less with even a, a low to mid-range graphics card. So 
what's interesting about this is they the larger form factor. This is significantly larger than the Nooks we've seen in the past. This new Nook Nine series. Mm. So the, this is the extreme, which has the compute element. That's the the high end Core i9 processor, which on its own, I was looking at the the pricing on these, and so far the larger retailer that actually has these listed is B&H Photo. They have the compute unit that's in this listed for thirteen ninety nine. This kit, which includes that compute unit and the the chassis, like the actual enclosure, but no graphics card, relying just on the integrated graphics from the Core i nine. It is a $1,639 investment. So to get into what is essentially a brand new form factor, this modular approach, putting what's closer in DNA to a blade server than anything we have on desktop today, and right down to the power supply, it has that um, like 1U, but the shorter variant of the 1U power supply in it. This is an FSP unit. Very high efficiency. It's a platinum-rated 500-watt power supply built right into the chassis. So there's no power brick or anything, something you would fully expect in an enclosure this small. But sure enough, there's a full-on power supply inside. And the only limit between... I mean, it's a 45-watt CPU. So the only real limit it, as far as what kind of graphics you can put into this is the form factor. It has dual eight pin PCIe connections inside. So it's almost like the the graphics enclosure that you can buy for a laptop, but it's all together with the CPU. So the, the big thing is, and I'm not 100% done with testing, unfortunately, which is why the, the thing is not on the site yet, but thermals are going to be the issue. Uh, this is a, it's a mobile part, but it's still a high-end mobile part. And if it's turboing up to its potential five gigahertz, more often, it's either going to have a, a you know higher RPM fans with more noise, or it's going to. What I've noticed so far is that uh, out of the box, anyway, it, it's tailored more for low noise than for for higher cooling. So it, all of the stuff is configurable. It actually has a very good uh, UEFI interface. So there's even a little bit of overclocking you can do. So it one of the things is that it's. It's using last generation mobile hardware. Not that the 10th gen mobile stuff is any huge leap forward, but I don't know. I, I would like to know what everybody else thinks about the form factor, this idea of the modular approach with a PCIe card handling all of your compute. But then also, this is a product that just came out yesterday, officially, and it's using 9th gen processors when they have already announced and then released 10th gen mobile parts in the H series to replace this. So I just feel bad for audio listeners that didn't see the disemboweled knuck and you playing around with its guts. Like, <laughs> well, they'll be able to look at all those, those pictures on the site soon enough, but yeah, it's the, the juicy gut opening pictures will be available soon. The glistening heat sink dripping with thermal <laughs> compound. Uh, the naked fans. But I mean, it's, I mean, got, it's got all the connectivity smaller. you'd want. It's It's got two Thunderbolt 3. It's got four USB 3.1 Gen 2s on the back, two more on the front. 
uh, everything, including audio even, is integrated into this little compute unit. So it has 7.1 digital out. It's a 3.5 millimeter combo. So you'll have to get one of those uh, smaller Toslink adapters if you don't have one. If you're trying to use digital out from this, if you're going to implement this as like a home media server or something. But it's interesting. Like they've done little things. Like there's a, a chip on the board that allows them to convert display port 1.2 to HDMI 2.0 because otherwise the integrated video would be stuck at HDMI 1.4. So even if you're not using a dedicated GPU and all you want to do is connect this to a high definition or 4K TV, you can. And then it's got two M.2 slots inside. They accommodate even the longer 110 millimeter M.2 drives. You're not limited to the 80 millimeter drives. And that's interesting because, and I, I forgot to add this photo, there's actually a 110 millimeter M.2 slot positioned between the two PCI Express by 16 slots on the bottom. Uh, there's like a daughter board and in, in, up just above the power supply in the case. And the units that they sent out to all the reviewers, that was populated with the Optane uh, SSD 905P series, 380 gigabyte drive, and they shipped it with that as the sole OS drive with the NVMe SSD is just a, a, a data solution, like a storage solution, not an OS drive at all. So everything initially, if you use that configuration is ridiculously fast because you're running the entire OS and all of your applications off of Optane, not wait, that, that means the graphics memory. card slots by eight, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I In mean, theory, that's the other yeah. issue is everything. Yeah. Interesting. Everything is running off of either CPU lanes or off of the PCH, and this is an Intel processor, so there's a maximum 16 lanes off the CPU. Yep. So if you're running all the storage off the PCH, which I believe has 24 lanes, or that's it's 24 lanes total. It may only have 12. But you, you run out of lanes. I'm sure you're running the, the GPU in by, by uh, 8. It's PCI Gen 3, mm -hmm. of course. So it's... That, that's not necessarily a negative. I mean, it's... yeah. Yeah, for, for, game, for gaming, that won't matter. Uh, but it's if you're looking at compute applications, there can be some effect there. Yeah. Compute and storage are the only things that really need PCIe for. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and uh, AMD. the, the, the eight, 8 by, by 16. 16. Yeah, and the 8 That's, by as yeah. well. The one thing I haven't tried is taking this out and just putting it in another motherboard and seeing what happens. Because it's, it's a by 16 interface. It's a You'd think it could be some sort of a, a little. I bet you see like a one to three percent improvement. Yeah, you know it runs my uh, storage backups for me at an amazing efficiency <laughs> compared to running it as a background process. But it's, it's, I have mixed feelings about it. I think that ultimately the cost is going to make it. It's going to prevent it from being adopted. And I just would like to see this continue to the next generation where the, the modular approach to a mini PC is great. Just as the dream for people who are into high-end gaming laptops was more modularity, the MXM graphics cards, which never really became a standard. You'd love it if every new GPU that came out came out in a desktop version and then an MXM card that you could buy at a reasonable price and slide it into your gaming laptop and update it. The same with CPUs. If you could slide out the CPU and push in the new compute unit, and get yourself the latest architecture, more cores, faster clocks. Of course, with laptops, you're limited also by the thermal design. 
And you are with this to a certain extent, but the compute unit itself, the compute element they're calling it, has its own active cooling solution. So if that needs to get better, they could put a larger heat sink in here. They could put a faster fan in it. At that point, you run into noise issues. It's using a blower style fan on the CPU. And then whatever GPU you put into it is going to introduce a lot more heat into the case, though both sides are mesh. So it's it's very much like those smaller PCI Express, uh, like Thunderbolt kits you could buy to put an external GPU on your laptop. So just think in terms of that, like it's a small GPU enclosure that's actually the whole computer. And maybe at that point, the price tag of 1639 starts to sound better. Of course, there are much cheaper versions of this. I think they started around a thousand for the ones that I was looking at. And that's a Core i5 compute unit. You're buying that really high-end Core i9 uh, compute element with this. The Ghost Canyon element is the $1,399 one separately. So, And that's, that's going to be the issue going forward. It's like in a broad sense, as you spoke about with having modularity and that that's all great, but, and, and, and there's a, a commenter in our discord, David uh, Schaub, who said, uh, you know, are we ever going to see another one of these? And I don't know because they'd have to commit to this form factor. Like the, the goal would be, I can spend a thousand dollars now and get an I five and that's fine. And cool form factor. And then next year I can buy on sale the I nine or I can buy the 10th gen I nine or the 11th or whatever comes out. But they're not going to maintain. There'll be a new PCIe standard. Then it won't be up. It won't be compatible. You'd have to count on Intel maintaining this PCIe 3.0 configuration indefinitely, or at least for a reasonable period of upgrades. It's just. And, and the other thing too is the whole thing about Nooks is that they're so they're so small that you can't compete. Really, you couldn't do a DIY solution reasonably at that size because, like the original style, the original smaller Nooks, they you could mount them on the back of your display and they're great for applications like that. And then you get them to the uh, skull trail and Hades Canyon, uh, bigger ones, and they're still bigger, but they're not this big, but you, you could still justify tucking them away with this thing. It's just, it's, it's still very small, but it's too big. I think at that point you could build for much less and have much more flexibility, a micro ATX system. That's not much, not much bigger. So I don't know even why a, a Dan case type type thing too. I mean, you exactly. Know, talking yeah. about build your own. So I, I yeah, don't the know. Dan where Case's the case is. is just like this, but maybe two or three inches longer, where it actually lets you put in a full ten and a half inch long GPU, and this one's limited to eight because the whole thing's That's about nine, nine and a half inches long. Yeah. So I mean, Bam. if See, nine musical sting, if, if eight inches is long enough for you, maybe this is your system. But if you want to go ten and a half. You might want to go with the you Dan. You got to go Dan. Yeah, you got to go Dan. And I can't imagine Uncle Betty actually cracking the Nook style open. It looks very tightly packed in there. I mean, it's not. <laughs> Another it's thing not for everybody. I was going to mention, since I have it open here, as cool as the modular approach is, the this would have to improve because it's it's inconsistent. It does feel like uh, almost like a, a proof of concept here. Because you have a lot of wiring. It's not just the power supply cables. There are delicate wires you can't really even see. There's a there's a little cable up here, a little ribbon cable that snakes around the bottom of the compute unit and under the PCI Express connector and has to be disconnected to take the unit out. And then when you get the unit out, you get it halfway out 
and you're still connected. You're tethered by another two connections that are smaller, more delicate cables, little headers, ribbon cable for the fan that's easy to pull out. So it it's not quite as modular as it could be, but then they instituted certain things like the front panel connection here for the, the power for the top fans, the fans that pull hot air out of the case. It's just one of these sort of pressure. I don't know what the actual term is, but like you, spring, I, spring I, pins. Yeah. So it, you don't yeah. have anything to worry about. You just slide it off. You slide it back on your fans are reconnected, but then you have all these cables sneaking around everywhere inside the case. So it's, it's inconsistently designed and then there's not a lot of room at the bottom. The, the feet, uh, the actual amount of space for wherever this small air intake is, it's extremely shallow. Like these, these feet are maybe an eighth of an inch. So it doesn't provide a whole lot of air intake from the bottom. Most of it's coming from the sides, but you have the back of the compute unit basically blocking one of those sides. So maybe a little bit of air can come in down here. So there, there will be some thermal issues with this. It's not the coolest system by any means. Um, it, it is nice that they, they thought about noise though. Like they, they are tailoring the fans to favor a lower speed. I was seeing like under 1500 RPM from the CPU core, for example. And the fans up top are, are not small. These are, I think, 80 millimeter fans. And they're fairly quiet. And they only ramp up if they really need to. And it has convection on its side. Unfortunately though, it's only pretty much what it can pull in through the GPU side and then up most of the air from the CPU is either it's pretty much blowing straight up because it's, it's been redirected. There's a channel in there and there's this, there's this guide in place here that says, do not remove. It's just a, a flexible piece of thin plastic trying to help guide the air in. And the, the intakes on this are sort of interesting. It's sort of on the back. A lot of it's on the top, but then the exhaust is also straight out the top. So it's 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 probably the best they could do within this form factor with the technology they have right now. But like Jim said, it it would surprise me if this continues. It's not a Google product. It's possible it'll stick around for a couple more years. And it's not like the Nook is anything new. They've been doing a new one every generation since 2012. But this modular PC concept, it allows them to say, we have the world's fastest mini PC right now. This is the best mini PC for gaming. And it is because you've got the fastest uh, currently available mini GPU. There is not an RTX 2080 mini that I know of. The 2070, not even a 2070 Super, which is essentially a 2080. So if you want to cram a powerful GPU into a very small space, this is about as good as it gets right now. This thing retails for $419. And you could couple this with a Ryzen 6 or a Ryzen 5 processor, a 6-core, that costs about $169 at retail right now for the newest generation, B450 motherboard or something similar, and be hundreds and hundreds of dollars ahead. Buy yourself a big, beautiful, ultra-wide display. So for, for desktop gaming, it's still not the best solution. It's just it's a fascinating concept and I love small form factor stuff. So I was really eager to get hands on with this, but it's, it's, and as far as performance goes, it's a 2070. So, I mean, the, the CPU is going to get out of your way. The only issue becomes thermals and noise over longer gaming sessions. So we'll keep testing that. Let's get uh, the final review. 
All right. So, Sebastian, you've got a review for us of uh, a new as well. It's a new. Wait, how new is this? In terms of it's not launch. that new. I mean, okay. they, they when they sent it to me, it was new, but it's been a few months now. I think it was around Christmas when I got. So a, it. a newer, a newer Z three ninety motherboard from ASRock. It's the ASRock Z three ninety Phantom Gaming X, and as uh, Sebastian will talk about, one of the interesting things here is it's a higher end motherboard that has a PLX chip in it. Uh, yeah, so, oddly enough. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this. So the Phantom Gaming X from ASRock is their flagship board. They they have the Tai Chi Ultimate, which I thought was their flagship board. This one came and kind of dethroned it in their own lineup. Actually, both of those boards are Z390 boards that use PLX type switching. They use PCI Express switching. We'll talk about that a little bit. But it's a standard ATX form factor. So a lot of these higher end boards, you look around at different manufacturers, you get past a certain feature level and price point, and they're on to EATX generally. Not all the time, but it's sort of interesting to look at this as a flagship where they're not trying to deviate from that standard like 12 by 9.6 inch ATX form factor that'll fit in more cases. A lot of cases support EATX, but sometimes you're you're blocking cable management, routing openings and that sort of thing. So it's a fairly compact design for what it is, which is a massively overbuilt motherboard, kind of along the lines of what we've seen over the years from Asus with the Republic of Gamers. But the focus on this one absolutely is power delivery, where the Tai Chi Ultimate from ASRock is a Z390 board that has a lot of the same features this one does. When you get to the actual phases, the the number and quality of the power delivery here is kind of staggering. And fortunately, it is using a, a rather robust heatsink for the VRMs. It's not actively cooled or anything. It's still passively cooled, but it's big aluminum heat sinks with a uh, copper pipe, a nickel-coated copper pipe between them to kind of help spread the, the heat and dissipate it a little bit better. And it's using 50-amp power stages. There are 16 of them. It's a 14 plus 2 controlled. I can't remember the name of everything, but it's controlled by a, a, PDO, a digital... Um, PWM controller that's only, I think, 6.1 phase. So it is using doublers. Uh, but still, the, each of these phases can produce up to 55 watts uh, momentarily. They're rated for 50, or sorry, amps. They're rated for 50 amps continuous. It's it's a tremendous amount of current available to your CPU is what I'm trying to say. So if you're using a very high-end Intel desktop CPU, and we know those are very power-hungry, like the Core i9-9900K or the KS variant that I use to test this board, then that power can come in handy. It's not absolutely necessary. It's interesting that they have built up the power delivery so high for a desktop class board rather than one of their high-end desktop boards. This is a lot more along the lines of what you'd see from an X299 board, right down to those PCI Express switches that Jim alluded to. So, and, and PCIe switching, not something I'm super familiar with. I've heard of PLX switching. It's on a lot of the high-end desktop boards. I, I know I had to ask the group a little bit when I was writing this up, like, is am I supposed to be seeing a little bit of a increase in latency here just from a single GPU? Because what I ended up noticing was just populating the top PCIe slot in this and using all 16 lanes and running graphics benchmarks, I was getting slightly lower performance than I was 
from a lower cost gigabyte board that doesn't use any kind of switching. And apparently the benefit of PLX switching is in certain circumstances, you can have more bandwidth available to multiple cards than you would in circumstances where you didn't have it because it can kind of decide and divide up the available bandwidth from the CPU, which in this case, it's Intel desktop that's 16 lanes max. So if you install two graphics cards and you're doing some sort of compute workload, you potentially have more bandwidth available than a board where the moment you put in that second graphics card, depending on how everything is divided up, the second card might only be running by four. Uh, it, it gets complicated. Certain lanes uh, have priority over the other lanes. And then there's the whole storage component to take into consideration and expansion cards and that sort of a thing. So obviously one of the selling points of ATX is it has more expansion slots. Otherwise everybody would be on micro ATX. So you run out of lanes really fast on Intel desktop. So the, the PLX switching is something that I've actually noticed in doing a little bit of research for this motherboard review, people ask about, they look for it. I linked in the review to uh, like Reddit posts about this, like looking for Z390 boards that have PLX switching. So I didn't really know there was a demand for it at all, but it's here. And it's also on the Tai Chi Ultimate, which is a lower cost board. I'll try to wrap this up really quickly because I know I'm talking a lot, but the there's a couple of little convenience things and I had to do the Mori CMOS battery placement thing. If you notice from that last image, if you're watching the video, if you look at the review, there is no visible battery. It's under that lower cover. There's a cover that pretty much dominates the lower half of the motherboard. And it it functions as both the chipset heatsink and the NVMe heatsinks, the heat spreaders for your M.2 slots. So you have mm -hmm. to take the whole thing off. And that whole uses, triangular piece. Yeah, that whole piece that's like, more than a third of the motherboard. So you can't yeah, have right. It also uses a special tool to remove, which they include in the box, but it's a Torx bit. It's a T8. You can't just use a Phillips oh, okay. screwdriver. So you take off this whole panel, and at that point, you can pull the CMOS battery, and you can install M.2 drives. I would much rather see the battery exposed somewhere where you can actually get to it and the the approach that a lot of vendors take, which is separate removable covers for each M.2. Uh, go, man, drive. take the tape off. Hey, I took the, the these pictures were taken as I was unboxing the motherboard for the first time. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but performance, obviously performance matters. That's why we review these things. The performance was excellent for CPU workloads. I actually noticed... Better performance in things like Cinebench because it was clocking the the 9900KS was the the higher boost clocks were being sustained longer, so that's where the, it looks like the power delivery actually did make a difference with this very power hungry CPU. This is the pre overclocked five gigahertz on all core CPU, and this board did make a difference. And I actually reviewed that processor using this board initially because it was the one I had that had the highest power delivery on hand. And the C390 Aorus Pro, it's a great board. It's very solid. I've used it on my GPU test bench since I took over here. But it's it's interesting that there is a division between the two. And Blender, if you're looking at that one, that one was kind of a, a wash. It was slightly faster or slower depending on the test. And it kind of averaged out. There's no real advantage there. 
uh, things like seven zip where you're, you're using memory or using, uh, you know, other things, it, it ended up being a little bit faster overall to use the Phantom Gaming X. But then if you actually average it out, like overall MIPS, if you added the compression decompression together, they were almost identical. So you, you're, you're splitting hairs when you're doing any kind of review like this. And I was, it seemed like an exercise in futility until I got to Adobe Creative Cloud and CC installs of Photoshop, the latest version of Photoshop, which is 21.1 and Premiere Pro using the Puget Bench benchmarks and Puget Systems have these has these excellent benchmarking tools are just scripts. You download the script, you run it, and it records the actions for you so you can get a score. Here was where I saw a big difference. And then I realized looking through the logs, Puget Bench, I didn't realize this initially, it automatically sets Photoshop and Premiere Pro to use CUDA. It's using CUDA in any of these Creative Cloud apps whenever possible. So suddenly I was seeing a shift where the Oris Pro had higher performance in Premiere Pro, for example, using CUDA. And it was the same with Photoshop. Moving on to some synthetic game tests, you saw the same thing, where in pretty much every case, when it wasn't just completely CPU bound, where it was with Unigen Superposition, for example. Totally CPU bound situation, just running it at the, the 1080p high setting, where they were almost identical numbers. One slower run pro caused like the minimum frame FPS average to be like one FPS lower with one or the other. But it, when you go up to Basemark, for example, the most ridiculous thing, Basemark GPU, it's a, it's a newer test. Basemark's been around forever on mobile. But on the desktop, it's newer. I know we talked about that fairly recently when that was released. But Basemark GPU, if you run it at the medium setting, there's only medium and high, and you can pick your API, pick the texture compression level. Medium default compression is insane. It pushes so many FPS that it, it's it's like a flash on the screen and it's over. And it, it'll run on an RTX 28 at about 1,200 frames per second. But with the Phantom Gaming X, it was running under a thousand every time I ran it, and I ran it over and over. Rebuilt the system at one point, ran it again. Latest BIOS, everything. I could not figure this out. It's an extremely unrealistic scenario. You would never run a RTX twenty eighty on an i nine ninety nine hundred KS system for very very low complexity. Or maybe you would. Maybe you're playing Counter Strike and you want a thousand frames per second, but mm. it. It was interesting to me that nothing I did could fix the problem where it fell behind by like 200 or 300 frames per second at low, very low detail settings. And I suspect, I haven't fully proven this and I ran out of time, but it seemed like it was perhaps a PLX switching issue because there's just a bit of added latency there that could have been exacerbated significantly once we're up into the thousand frames per second type of testing. It was falling down and yeah, it, really I don't know. Do you see anything looking at this? Cause it, it almost was acting like a GPU that's out of memory. Like it, it was uh, well, out of bandwidth. You shouldn't have had contention. All right. I mean, just having the PLX chip in the way, that's really kind yeah. of strange. Just like yeah. the cost of having the potential for switching, even though there was no other contention. But I mean, that's, Bad design. Oops, I didn't say that. I said, <laughs> 
PLX is never ideal. Uh, it's it's uh, it's when you when your platform just doesn't have the lanes you need. It gives you the flexibility to have those, but it's not. You don't you don't intentionally look for it. If you can, you go to a higher platform, a, la- a, pl- a platform with higher number of lanes. It's that's why on the Mac Pro, the new one that uses an Intel uh, Xeon Gold, they had to use a, a PLX chip because they needed all this flexibility for all this expansion that they that Apple planned. And that platform does not support that. So there's a big old PLX uh, switcher there. And it's going to be hard to compare because that's a very unique platform that's hard to do cross-platform comparisons. But if they had just put a damn Threadripper in that system, yeah, all those lanes, yeah. or even we better, wish. put an Epic in there, I mean... Uh, well, I mean, that's why I've lost, you know, the PLX chips. Because there was a time when I... There are different PLX chips. And some of them have benefits, yes. some of them have drawbacks. So if you read me the model number off it, I wouldn't know anymore. But there was a time when I did. But then I got a Threadripper. And now I can just, you know, rent PCI lanes to people that are going without (laughs) and not even notice. There might have been an advantage. Uh, You know, if you had bus contention or multiple cards, not necessarily even dual graphics cards, you might have networking cards or, you know, uh, multi-gig cards or frame capture or something like that. And when you're loading it down that much, yeah, okay, the PLX chip could make sure that there's a fair allocation of bandwidth. But when you're sort of single sourcing your your bandwidth uh, requirements on a single card, the bandwidth, uh, the PLX chip, you know, can get in the way depending on how it's implemented. So, you know, it depends on your usage scenario. I didn't mean to step on it and say, you know, it's like that's that's not a good design. It is under certain circumstances. And as Sebastian said, too, realistically, the, the workloads where this disadvantage was amplified to the point where you'd notice it are just not realistic, generally. Yeah. True. The, the only realistic one, as far as I could tell, was CUDA, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like you're probably yeah. not buying this board if if you're planning on using it for a workstation. There's There are better solutions for something that's not as overbuilt as this. You're the the Tai Chi Ultimate, for example. And that was kind of my my summary with this. When I the conclusion was this a good board. I mean it, for CPU performance especially it was great. It has higher single thread performance consistently, for example, versus the other board I traditionally use the most. But it's kind of that if you're not populating multiple PCIe lanes, you're not using it in a way that would take advantage of the PLX switching. The PLX switching they're using, it's not PLX, it's it's another brand. I think this is NXP switches. And I, I think I leaked, linked to the data sheet so you can look it up if you're that interested. But there is latency inherent in the different designs. This one had its own characteristics. And the way it was actually implemented was kind of interesting. If you follow the traces and look at where the chips are actually populated on the board, uh, it was in line before it even hit the first PCIe slot. Then from the first to the second, there's a total of six chips, uh, sort of uh, the way that this is designed. So it's it's interesting. But my takeaway was the Tai Chi Ultimate already has 12 phase power, which is more than adequate for almost anything on the Intel side. And very similar components. Networking was a big thing with this, though. Like, network flexibility with this was excellent because you had two Intel Gigabit NICs on board and a one of the Realtek, I think the Realtek Dragon. It's a 2.5G solution, as well as Intel Wi-Fi 6. AX200 is on board as well. So you've got the latest networking, 
the latest wireless networking, some future proofing with 2.5 G. Although again, there's, we've talked about this in the past. There's not a whole lot of switching or routers that take advantage of that yet. And then the dual Intel gigabit NICs, which is always nice to have. So plenty of, I mean, spades, IO in spades. There's great flexibility with the IO. Even has a PS2 port if you're still using a PS2 keyboard like an IBM Model M or something. So the the actual feature set was great. The Tai Chi Ultimate, which is, again, less expensive. It's about $40 less expensive. Very, very similar. Does not have the three NICs. Just has the two Intel Gigabit NICs. Does have, I believe it has Wi-Fi 6 as well. But what it it comes with a Quantia 10G solution. So you're getting faster yeah. wired networking. You're losing the 2.5G, but you're getting 10G. You only have two NICs, but it's it seems like the better buy all around. And this motherboard, the lowest price I could find for this motherboard was 319 I believe its list price is 349 because that's where I see it the most. It was on Amazon for 349 Newegg had it for 319 99 so if you compare that to a Tai Chi Ultimate at two seventy nine ninety nine, it it starts to look a little overpriced. You're you're definitely paying for things mm-hmm. like PCIe switching if you need it. You're paying for the sixteen phase power, which is huge. I mean the 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 power delivery on this is is monstrous. Sixteen or yeah, sixteen phases with the potential for up to fifty five amps per phase and sixty amp chokes. And the list goes on and on, but uh, AS Rock's changed. Yeah, like wow. Well, I mean they they used to be the the cheap discount board. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got what you paid for, but that was it. And they've gone to building a solid reputation where they were still value priced, but you, you more or less got more than you paid for. But it was never like they could never say it was a flagship motherboard compared to Asus, Gigabyte, MSI, or the rest of them, to, you know, this, where I I don't know that overbuilt is the right way to say it, but in the sort of a way it is, uh, you know, it's amazing to see these guys come from what they used to be to this. They, yeah, they need to work yeah. on their heat sink a little bit, but... Or, they're they're also that. still rocking the, uh, the PS2 connection, which for your Twitch interrupt-driven gamer uh, is still important. Yeah. If you guys I want I mean. my combo part. I, I get pissed off when there's Pulled no IO is them. for noobs, man. Pulled IO is for losers. Yep. It's pretty deep. No one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I don't. I all, I know, all I know is uh, N key rollover matters. USB right. and the peripherals are 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 what's called pulled IO, yeah. which means that it's it's a round robin trip that the CPU makes a cycle across the IO port saying, hey, do you have anything to say? And yeah. then moves on. Whereas PS2, PS2 don't give a shit. It's interrupt driven. It's interrupt driven, gotcha. which means when there's a signal that comes in the PS2, everything inside the computer stops. Okay, it's really fast. Yep. But everything inside the computer stops and goes, oh, you want me to shoot that guy in the head right now? Yep. Okay, so that's uh, the again the Azrock Z390 Phantom Gaming X uh, motherboard. Uh, street prices are between uh, three twenty three fifty, depending on uh, where you find it. And uh, silver award uh, from from Sebastian for that board. Check out the full review at PCPro.com, and uh, again look for that uh, written review soon on the Nook as well. We'll have that uh, put into the system. I know he he took a lot of photos for that review, so. 
Yeah, yeah it was all, regrettable all to look at the Lightroom library and say, I just imported 129 images, and there are not a lot of duplicates there. So going through normal. and picking out, yeah, pick out the ones that are relevant to the review and stop taking so many damn photos, I told myself. Uh, what's the phrase? Uh, something about eventually you have to just ship it. Real something ships. Uh, See, I have the id ship. software yeah. complex. It doesn't yeah. ship until it's done. So, gotcha. you know, I'm the John Carmack hey. of PC per. Well, no, no, the enemy of good enough. <laughs> have you noticed that the newest uh, the newest iPhones have built in slideable bokeh? I mean, just slide for bokeh. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh! That- it's almost like talentless. It's talentless now. And the, but that if you go the- into edit. If you go, is it only when you go into edit a portrait mode no, shot? I don't know. But I noticed that that I slider comes know. up and you can like simulate, oh, now, now I'm at F1.8. Now I'm at F1.4. I don't even own a 1.4 lens. Right. But there, exactly. there, was, it's, it's like magic. there was a camera uh, years ago that came out. I don't, I don't actually know if it ever shipped, but it was announced. And it was sort of like an elongated cube rectangle thing. And it, its gimmick was that it would shoot every focal length in one shot and then allow you to selectively adjust oh, the depth of field after the fact. And it was so, like a multifunction printer and then it was shit at everything. Well, I, don't, I, yeah. I don't recall seeing anybody ever I actually it test it. Oh, but, who was trained with that? Uh, yeah, that was, um, it was... I mean, it sounded really cool. Like, it would have, the, it had this incredibly long lens and it would just... When yeah. you took one photo, it would take 30 and they would automatically stack them in, in this proprietary file format. And then you could, when editing, change the focal point to change the depth of field. And uh, it was... Yeah, I yeah. think we were still back on Twit TV back then. And this week, and God only knows what preceded <laughs> us. And that's what they were on about. And now Apple has solved it all with software. So... Oh, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get our picks of the week because we are well over two hours now. God... Yeah, Help it's us. your fault. Yeah. Okay, so Speaking I've got uh, uh, two picks. So first of all, my audio the last few weeks, I noticed as soon as I go into post-processing to edit the show, it's been terrible. And nobody says anything while we're live. And I check, I do a quick monitor check before I start, but I didn't notice it. But it was just it was just staticky and it didn't sound good. And so I realized after trying to trace the problem that it was down to my USB XLR uh, USB uh, interface which was an old seven or eight year old uh, Focusrite uh, 2i2. And other than it failing the last couple of weeks and having that problem, it's been great for the past eight years. So I picked up another one. This is uh, that the one I had was a first gen. They're now in the third gen of this uh, Focusrite Scarlet uh, series. I went for the, the single input because I, I never ended up using that second input anyway. Uh, and again, it's just like a lot of things on Amazon these days, it goes out of stock. It was in stock for just over a hundred dollars when I bought it last week and it's now uh, out of stock again. So, so be on the lookout for that. But like I said, other than it failing, which after eight years, which is, I think, okay, as that's acceptable to me for a hundred dollars, uh, it's been a good little deck. And, uh, this, this particular model goes from USB uh, 2.0 type B to a, um, if I could pull up the photo here. Firefox is freaking out on me again. Has direct monitor, phantom power, all that good stuff. Uh, it's phantom power, direct oh, yeah. monitor. It does have a, uh, oh, there it goes. It does have a second input, but it's a, uh, uh, shoot, uh, what's the size of unbalanced, that? Unbalanced, one quarter it's, inch. Well, it's an unbalanced quarter inch. Uh, yeah. Quarter inch, yeah. yeah. 
anyway, it's it's USB C on the back. I don't know why Firefox is free. <laughs> Towards the end of the show, Firefox just starts to to crash on me. Um, Out of memory. And uh, Mir Mir in the uh, Discord is reminding me that uh, Ven over at Linux Gamecast, uh, our friends over at Linux Gamecast. If you if you don't watch, if you're into Linux gaming or you just have an interest in Linux. And you want to or even if you're folks. not, just watch it for the personalities. It's yeah, these are, or you like hardware yeah. reviewers with big hair. Yeah, great it's... folks over at Linux Gamecast. He, he's apparently been reviewing some audio interfaces uh, recently, yeah. so I should have checked those out before I bought it. But I'm, I'm happy. He's with been doing ones. videos too. I check the YouTube channel because he'll post something, and it's like this in-depth mm-hmm. guide, basically, on how to set something up within, of course, using Linux. Everything is yeah. uh, run on Linux there, but yeah, it's uh, very, very. Yeah. Very impressive podcasting setup they have going over there. Yeah, yeah. a a great show. Um, And and they used to be on before us on Wednesdays. Uh, No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I did. I haven't checked it. I probably should have checked it. Now we didn't get. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jeremy. What were you saying? Oh hell, if I remember. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh no, they used to be on on Wednesdays before us. Oh, okay. So they'd they'd start off about an hour or two or three hours before we did, and wrap up about an hour before we did. So we got a lot of crossover. Yeah. Um. All right. So then my my second uh, that was my hardware pick. Real quick, I found this the other day, and it's a uh, interesting some data that a uh, guy named Bo McCready over at Bono at uh, Bono's Data on Twitter he put together this image. And what you're looking at here for the uh, the audio uh, listeners is a, a bunch of popular TV series that he has mapped out based on IMDb user rating. And so it starts on the left, and that would be the first episode going all the way to the right of, of the final episode. And you can see the path that goes for the, the rating of the show, as well as the lowest rated episode in the series called out, whenever that may have been. And so you look at a show like Game of Thrones, which was consistently very good up until its final season, where it, it just fell off a cliff with the final episode being by far the worst rated. And then you can see, you can kind of go through it. It's just a bunch of, it's just interesting to see this data laid out this way, because you can see shows like The Simpsons, which had gradual declines. You can see uh, shows that, that ended very poorly, like Dexter. Uh, you can see shows that increased in quality. I think Stranger Things has a good example of that, uh, where it just gets a little bit better each year, with the exception of a, an episode or so there. And uh, it's just a, a neat way hey, to look at what happened to Buffy? This data. Um, well, Buffy, Buffy was apparently very consistent, but there was one episode in the it looks like the fourth season there that was that was rated poorly. So I it's cool. It's a musical episode. It it might be. I know Star Trek's on here as well, and or at least I thought it was. There it is. And Gee, then of this course, is amazing data. This is great. Yeah, this is. I was really excited when Loving I saw it. this because I spent all afternoon looking looking up these individual episodes to see. Dexter uh, ended poorly, didn't it? Oh, it, yes. Uh, for Next Generation, Shades of Grey, which was the writer's strike backup episode where Riker goes into a Ooh. concussion and it was a clip show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, now I remember a, that. A wow. clip show yes. on Next Generation uh, because of the writer's strike. Uh, so, and it was the Next out. Generation that only been around for three years, two and a half that, years. That so was, was the end of the second season. Yeah, that's you don't yeah. want to do a clip, clip show for two seasons. Yeah, so uh, I'll have a link to this. Uh, this is just an image that he. I don't know if he. I don't know if he did it or it's just based on his data. But I'll I'll have a link to that, and then we'll link to his Twitter as well, so you can check out some more cool stuff that he's up to. Uh, all right, Jeremy, what's your? Uh, 
I, well, strangely enough, uh, it comes from the next door neighbors to the place that you picked. Uh, so my upstairs neighbors picked up a, a fancy ass uh, keyboard and has actually gotten a little bit of work. Uh, he's an IOTSI guy, so he, he does set design for the movies here in Vancouver. He's not working right now for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure why. Maybe he's just lazy or something. But so he, he's been working on this, and he actually got uh, some credits uh, to do a, the, the music loop for a, the, during the credits of a, a closing video game. But he, it's, you know, he's made money on it. He's doing pretty well. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to have to work on getting some drum beats in there too. And I'm like, I will kill you if you get a drum set because you live directly above me and it's a small house. So yeah, I'm going to kill you and skin the drums with you afterwards. But <laughs> that's not what he's doing. He's not getting physical drums. Uh, he found Audic. Pre-X, which is essentially what just about every single bloody uh, developer uses for the drum tracks, uh, like Call of Duty and a lot of the, the big series like that use that. And he's like, well, it, it's 50% off right now. So instead of being just over $400, it's 200 bucks. Or if you just want the various core ones, it, it's significantly cheaper. In the States, apparently, it's it's even less expensive. So he's going to be able to uh, expand his ability to create uh, audio for games without having to have his downstairs neighbor murder him for buying a drumstick. If you're at all into audio and you're looking at laying down uh, backgroup beats, this is... It, it, and if you look into it, it's fairly interesting because it, it's sort of AI-assisted in that you can give it certain parameters and it will fill in 90% of what you're doing and then let you play with it. Uh, as opposed to, you just have to feed it into the black box and deal with what's coming out afterwards. So, you know, if, if that's, I'm sure there's somebody here that, uh, is into audio development uh, on the computer right now, uh, the 400 and some dollar software is 50% off. You probably stuck at home. You probably have a lot of time on your hands. And you might have neighbors that wouldn't appreciate you getting a drum kit. What's the uh, sale uh, time frame? Uh, God only knows. I, oh. They didn't put a, a starter end on it. You just noticed it today, and I was chatting with them. So, yeah, I, I thought it'd make a good pick. I don't see it here. So, right. Well, that's a, I, that's a, that is it's an interesting pick for for us. Uh, but act fast because we don't know when the sale will end. Uh, Sebastian, uh, he, he picked something we talked about, uh, earlier. I yeah. apologize if you had picked this before I mentioned it. I, no, that's fine. I was going to say, you know, join team 734 on, uh, folding at home, but there's something else too. I forgot about this last night. I think it went live. Sony has this play at home initiative. So it doesn't, you don't have to be a member of PlayStation plus or anything. You just, if you have a PlayStation, you can go to the PlayStation store and right now uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection and the game journey are both just free, not for a limited time. You just add them to your library within this window. It's mm. through May five, just add them to your cart. They're both free Check out, and you own them in perpetuity. So a couple of things to check out. If you somehow don't have uncharted and you have a PlayStation that you can get it for free, check out journey. If you're into journey, like games, they're, it's the I have not played it. It's from the makers of Flower. So I was disparaging it in the Discord, and then 
uh, I think it was Brother Michigan in our Discord who said, this is actually my favorite game. No joke. Like, all right, sorry. I will stop dumping on it now. It's but. a really good game. I mean, it's one of those relaxing um, experience. You know, you're kind of running through these environments. You start with the sand and it's, it's, uh, I, I really liked it. It's got a really beautiful soundtrack. Uh, it's like okay. calming music. I thought, it was, I thought it sounded at least like something my four-year-old son could play and, you know, just. I haven't open played it in, in years, type stuff. but my, my son, when he was probably about four, what did play it with me? Cause you, there's, you, there's no, or at least for the parts of the game that I played, I, I never, I did not beat it, but there was no, like he can just run around and give him the control. Yeah. He can run around and see the, the lighting change and see right. the indentations in the sand and, it's pretty cool. And the, the uh, Uncharted games are great. I, I own that collection already, unfortunately, but uh, those are those are some great games. Well, if you want something Uncharted-like, uh, Just Cause 4 is free on the Epic Game Store right now. Oh, yeah. That, uh, did they, fix, did they, they ever fix that game? Uh, God only knows. <laughs> it's on my <laughs> list to play. Still um, waiting for that freaking Dell monitor from February to show up. That hasn't shipped. Oh yeah, yet. they went out of stock. Oh, it hasn't went out of stock. shipped. Wow! I thought you already had that. I remember when you ordered that. It seems like last so year do I. at this point. Man, it almost was, and yeah, it's 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 not so even curved yet. and big and stuff. Yeah, and I just want to see it. But the um, uh, speaking of Uncharted, the so the Uncharted series is great. Not the Uncharted, uh, Just Cause series. Those are great games. I really really liked three. I did play four, but at launch on PC, four was a mess. Uh, really poorly optimized, yes. a lot of input issues. Uh, the even it just didn't even look that that good. I mean, like, come on, was, even the demo they were showing on screen had serious issues. Yeah, at the and launch from, day party. From what I played of it at launch, uh, and and then what I read about it post launch, the game itself is there's not much different over three, but. If it's free on Epic and you have Epic an Epic account and you want to grab it, uh, yeah, maybe maybe in the month grab since it then just because fixed it just cause. because oh, that's I... literally why you do everything in the game. Why are you yeah. doing that? Well, just because I can. And then uh, and it looks yourself, cool. Uh, do yourself a favor and go watch the zero punctuation review of the Just Cause series. He does <laughs> yes. some great videos there. <laughs> but uh, all right, Brett, all right, finish us up here. All right. Uh, if you're like me, and I know that I am, you're going to want more storage. And this is a great deal on storage. I threw this in the Discord um, deals channel today. Sixty-eight seventy-five for uh, TLC, 480 gig, uh, enterprise class SSD drive. Not the fastest, not the slowest by far. Pretty darn good deal, in my opinion. I've got uh, the. I have. Um, uh, some of the one terabyte versions of this, I <clears throat> uh, actually bought six of them. Don't tell anyone. I bought six of them. Uh, they were blowing them out as well. And they've been great. Uh, they worked fine out of the box. Um, no complaints. Same stuff here, 480 gig uh, instead of the 960s. But um, very serviceable uh, drive and uh, enterprise class. Um, reasonable speeds. Good price. Uh, Micron, you know, name brand. 6875 for 480 gig. I think somebody complained they can only install Final Fantasy VII twice on a drive of this size, so it may be a little undersized for certain people, but you know, maybe normal users can find a you know, have a drive to store some photos on. Well, they should get a shingled one then. Oh yeah, right. yeah. Or at that price, yeah, so gonna... buy two. And 
You know what? Put, yeah. Why yeah. Don't you, let's just use, do that. Use Windows storage spaces to, to raid them. Yes. Just oh no. Just, with refs. Just glue them. <laughs> just glue them together. You know, raid zero never hurt anyone. So Woody, it's fine. Exactly. Um, and if you're if you're wondering uh, this, I, mean, I, I assume you're probably all familiar with this. It's more of a more of a Mac. Uh, n- more of a company known in the back well, world, but used to be usually not so much anymore. Usually. Well, right, they've they've long sold products that support other platforms, but they got their start with the Mac folks. It's uh, other world computing, OWC, and they're a really yeah. good company. Uh, just uh, they're good good people, good uh, customer support. Uh, so you can feel comfortable buying from them. I've never ever had a problem. I've spent way too much money with them over the years. Yeah, me too. Environmentally conscious, they generate a lot of mm-hmm. electricity through a lot of green initiatives and solar power and wind power and stuff well, like they, that. They got so a they're... big giant ass windmill right outside of a their farm. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a it's it's you know an amazing thing that they've done there. They started very very small roots when they started, and they occasionally get these sort of like. Um, you know, PC deals as well as Mac deals, yep. and you know they they shelf warm stuff for a while, and they blow them out. So that's what this has gotten to that point. You know, they they do a lot of upgrades. Like you can have them perform upgrades on your Mac, and I think yeah. this might. Well, be they the used to be the only drive you could do a warranted upgrade on a Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, and and this is one of the only places you can get things that are sort of that weird not NVMe drive um, yeah. that Mac you uh, that Apple oh, used for God, a while on some of their laptops. That? Not yeah. NVMe. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I honestly, I knew the name, but it's a sort of escape. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, But you can get a uh, converter on eBay. It's like fifteen bucks or twelve bucks or something, and you can put an NVMe in it. It just extends it by about twelve, have, fifteen millimeters. I've heard there are occasionally power related issues, like presuming from sleep, that sort of thing. It depends on the drive. It's not just a straight uh, conversion. To... I used to an Intel P660 one terabyte in a, with a converter on a 2012 MacBook Pro 15, and that it seemed to work fine. No problems so, at all. Okay. That's not with that particular combo, anyways. But I believe you that it can happen. I'm just, you know, talking about one that worked. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, uh, those guys are uh, pretty good. Uh, their warranty is good. I've had to return um, some of their OWC SSDs. Uh, in the past, uh, I don't think Alan would be surprised that some of their their SSDs have you know had a shorter lifespan. Well, uh, but the, yeah, the controller they used was not the best, but no, they, yeah. they didn't they didn't like mislabel it. They told you exactly what they were selling you. Yeah. The prices were good. The yep. support has been yep. great. Yep, and they replaced it before it failed. I backed it all up. It just you know I had uh, warnings on it that it was going to fail. They they cross shipped me a new one. Um, so yeah, I would recommend them from a customer service perspective and my experience with the micron one terabyte ones has been good. Yeah. So if anybody's looking for a TLC SSD micron in the, in the, uh, 40 watt range, I'm um, 40, 180 gig range. 40 watts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's DCIE four. Yeah. The time. Oh, I wonder. Overclocked. Oh, it's yeah. still there. So I wrote a review of one of their products years ago for the Mac Observer, and my quote is still on the marketing page. That used to say Jim used to say Jim wow. of the Mac Observer. Oh. Now it just says Mac Observer. But oh. yeah, but true. Oh well, I'll still still yeah, true. The still best I have yeah. a quote in a audio advisor Jim. catalog. I salute you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, so that's our show for this week. Uh, 
Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you're watching live, stick around. We usually do a bit of a Q&A afterwards, talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. But you got to be here for the live show. Uh, and, uh, again, we record these once a week, except for the weeks where I force us to miss because of other problems in my life. I've got a bit of a crisis now. I, I, I tried to grow a mustache over recently. It, it didn't look, didn't, didn't work out. But but you've shaved, right? My wife made or, me shave it before there. she would let me go on the show. <laughs> No was joke. It, it was tragic. It she, was tragic, in other she words. She stood in the door and blocked the door and said, get into the bathroom and shave that effing thing off your face. So You said, hey, I'm a man, okay? No, I said yes, I, dear. Like, no, <laughs> Apparently not with that mustache. She's not. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, we have fun when we're live, but if you can only watch us on demand, too, that's great. Uh, just, again, a reminder, we, we've recently gotten rid of the video feed for the rss of the podcast the audio still goes out by rss but the videos are still there of course you just head over to youtube or to pcpro.com slash podcast and you can watch the videos hosted on youtube there uh so we, we don't want to deprive you of our beautiful faces uh that wasn't at all the, the reason behind dropping that feed uh but it just uh, it turns out that youtube will host video for zero dollars mm -hmm. if you want to host your own video and have an rss feed for it you pay for every shred of bandwidth to do it's that. expensive and at least as far Very as the expensive. solutions i looked into they were it's it's not just data storage it's, it's like tiered specifically for video distribution so mm. yeah, whatever oh, it's all right it's it's, it's okay but uh i guess hey, the, the only other differences is the laugh the laugh track is canned it's canned laughter on the the one that you put up on the show later it's canned here too i mean there's no genuine oh, oh, humor yeah. there's okay. no, no there's no spontaneity mirth. here we this is usually our at least our second run we do a full uh, rehearsal on Tuesday. You know, my script, my script was handwritten, by the way. So thanks. For I that. made some I changes. Had I had down. to fax it to him that we still. Yeah. Use I didn't know what you were stuff. doing halfway through this. I like I lost the the script. Yeah. I had no idea. I went off script because I actually lost mine. I lost my script. So uh, I was it was just the most fiber I'd had to eat all week. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, let's get this wrapped up. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we hope uh, everyone uh, continues to stay healthy, stay well as, as best you can, and uh, just, just take care of yourselves and your families, and uh, we hope to see you here next week. <laughs>